What's going on, folks? It's your boy, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOTN. And this week, we're going over UFC Vegas 52, headlined by Amanda Lemos and Jessica Andrade. Uh, a couple people were skeptical about this main event when it was first announced, but now that it's around the corner, less than 24 hours away, I am more than excited for this scrap between these two heavy-hitting strawweights, something that we don't normally get at this weight class. So I can't wait to see how this fight goes down. But... Uh, a little bit of a scheduling issue that we're dealing with at this point in time. As you guys know, as the thumbnail says, my uh, uh, guest for this episode is going to be my guy, Cody Safdick. I'm just waiting for him to to get back. I know he's dealing with a couple of things right now, so I'm just uh, waiting for him uh, to, to get back in. So until he gets in, I'm just going to take chat questions. And then once he gets in, gets his ass in here, then I'll... Um, then we'll kick it off from the bottom of the card, just as we always do. So I've already uh, been chatting it up with the live chat. For those of you watching this on replay or watching it on audio, I've been chatting it up with the live chat here on YouTube before going live and kind of just letting them know the situation, letting them drop some questions that I can answer to hold me over until my guy Cody is able to make his way into the stream here. So uh, let's tackle a couple of those and then we'll get into the actual uh, show once Cody gets here. Once uh, And I'll also say for anybody watching this on the replay i will have everything time stamped so if you just want to skip the chat questions you're more than welcome to just scroll on over to where uh i have the first fight started or i'll just put intro for when cody arrives here and you guys can go uh go check that out and and start from there and not hear me blabbering with the with the live chat here uh, I do quickly want to say before I get into the live chat, shout out to everybody that was sending me messages, sending me on the on the timelines, DMs, all that stuff. Uh, you know, just wondering where I've been. I was uh talking about it on the Deadlock podcast yesterday with uh Clint that last week, or it's almost been two weeks at this point in time, I went to go visit my in-laws in Saskatchewan, took a 28-hour road trip, threw me way off, didn't do any content last week, at least not uh, on YouTube. I still did my Patreon stuff as normal. But uh, yeah, and then when I got back, it was just a whirlwind in terms of catching up with everything. For me, the main thing was just not getting spoilers. I hate spoilers. I want to watch fights, so I stay off of, uh, sorry, I want to watch fights and then find out the spoilers. So I just stay off of social media, period, to not get anything spoiled then once i caught up i got a bunch of other things to catch up on as well which was uh, a very rough transition for me to get back to reality but i am back mma lawcast will be back in full swing next week and uh yeah you guys are getting the ultimate wayne show right now as well but i do quickly want to just say thank you to everybody uh for shouting uh or hitting me up and and just uh making sure that i'm good just a well be what is it wellness check if i believe that's what it's called but uh yeah shout out to everybody for checking up on your boy your boy's all good all right let's get into the the, the chat questions here so we can get the show rolling and then like i said once cody gets his ass in here then we'll uh kick off from the bottom of the card as usual we'll start off with my guy ted b here saying does he uh right round one so he's talking about jordan Wright against mark andre barrio uh i i believe that's the vast majority of his win condition right if you just even look at his record uh you can see that a lot of his wins have strictly come in the first round he's a quick finisher he's very explosive he's very fast and he can find the button pretty quickly but if he's not able to do that here against my guy uh mark andre barrio he's going to be in for a long night so uh right by ko currently sits at plus 225 
Not too bad of a line. Right in round one, same line, plus 225. Let's see what right in round one KO will play out, pay out for anybody that actually has access to that. Uh, that is currently sitting at right by KO round one, plus 450. So I think that would be the best way to play him. You know, I, I know you're already getting plus money on his uh, on his money line, but I think Mark Andre Barrio is the much better minute winner. I think he's a, he will more than likely be able to rack up some rounds here and win a decision decision should this fight go the full uh, fifteen minutes. But yeah, if you're looking to bet right at all, maybe right KO right round one or even a combination of that as well. So uh, there you guys go. My guy Mr. Jingles likes MAB KO. I like me some uh, Mark Andre Barrio as well to to bounce back and have a solid performance, especially after that gaff that he had against Chidi and Uh I, I don't even mind uh, later round props for Andre Barrio as long as he works um, uh, Jordan right into the ground here. Barrio round three plus eleven hundred. Barrio round two plus six fifty. Sign me up for both of those all right let's see what else we got here ted once again asking uh king kong romanov by sub or ko lock uh best guess ah uh, i'm gonna go sub i think it, it it turns out being one of those spots where he goes king kong ground and pound but that forces chase sherman to give up his back similar to what he did in the jay collier fight and then we'll see him sink in the rear naked choke so in terms of the props and the and the and the actual lines for those we got Romanov by sub at minus 115, Romanov by KO at plus 180, and then just Romanov inside the distance to cover both is minus 500. Exactly what you would expect for a minus 2,000 favorite. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I'll probably go sub if I were, you know, if you were putting a gun to my head, I'd probably go sub over TKO. Uh, but, yeah, that that's the way that I'd go about it. Arturo is asking, what are some good parlay pieces? Um, Let's just quickly pull it up here. Uh, I, honestly, I like Andrade. I like Barber. I like... Uh, ba, 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 ba. The fight doesn't go to decision in Orichi Lang and Cameron Els. Uh, I guess the fight doesn't go to decision in Villanueva and Pedro's uh, minus 400. You know, I thought it would be closer to minus 800 or something like that. That wouldn't be a bad idea either. Um, Elder versus Parsons fight doesn't go to decision. That's around minus 225. I think that's a good parlay piece as well. Yeah, th those are the main ones. Like, obviously, there's Dean Barry and uh, Romanoff, but like at minus 1800 and minus 2400, do you really want to possibly fuck up your parlay in case, you know, something crazy happens, right? What if there's an illegal knee or, you know, we've seen that happening quite a lot over the last couple of events. Uh, you don't really want to get bit and bust your parlays on a minus 2,500. And what does it really add to your parlay if you're throwing Alexander Romanov in there? Sure, if you want to throw his inside the distance into it at minus 500, okay, sure, I understand that. But uh, taking the money line, I think, is going to be nonsensical in a parlay setting. Hopefully that answers your question, Arturo. Let's see, we got author here saying anyone on tonight's Bellator card. Uh, I personally I haven't looked at it myself, um, but just quickly skimming it over. We talked about it in the chat earlier. Uh, Stotts and Archuleta. Stotts is getting that that Russian tax rub now ever since he upset Magomed Magomedov as a giant dog. Archuleta has been one of my favorite fighters to back in the past, even at chalk. But um, I, I think that Stotts will be likely the better fighter here, especially in the grappling realm. And I, I don't, just don't know if Archuleta will have enough uh, to to fend that off. 
I've always been a big fan of Patchy Mix, but as we saw in his fight against Archuleta, when he's not able to get the fight to the ground, he struggles a lot. And I think he's going to have those struggles here against Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, I love betting Ali Malay McFarlane. Even at Chalk, I, I think that this is a decent enough spot for her. Lance Gibson Jr., minus 700 at this point in time, but I think that's a solid prospect to keep an eye on. Um, Gaioti Yamauchi, minus 220. A big fan of him. I think he can do some work here against Levin Chokeli. Uh, what else do we got? Any other names I recognize? Emmanuel Sanchez, minus 350 over plus 275. Yancey Madero seems like a no-brainer. Possible parlay piece there. Um, not many other names. Juliana Velasquez against Liz Carmouche. Velasquez may be sweat way too much in her fight against Denise Keyholds. She should win this fight, but I'll probably stay off of it. Uh, Nikita Mikhailov against Enrique Barzola. That should be a grappler's delight. And I feel like Mikhailov can hold his own in this spot. So, uh, yeah, not a bad underdog spot there. Danny Sabatello really made a statement in his last fight against Brett Johns. Probably worth the chalk at this point in time as well uh, against Jornal Lugo. And I believe that is pretty much it. Don't recognize too many of the other names there. All right, let's see what else we got here. Mr. Jingles, Venata, or Jordan. I'm leaning uh, Venata, but that's a fight that I really don't want too much uh, to do with. Uh, we got my guy Big J here asking about the early lean for Font versus Cheeto. I'm going to go with Font there. I do think he is the better striker. I think he's the overall better fighter. Um, I've just never been that big on Cheeto myself. I, I think he's going to struggle against the the striking here or the striking advantage that uh, that Rob Font will have. Again, five rounds. I know Cheeto has a good gas tank as well, so that's an interesting wrinkle in this fight. But I still lean on the on the uh, Font side of things here. Uh, let's see. Stefan Peck saying Pedro Ike under one and a half, probably with Sherman Romanov under one and a half. Not a bad look. I like it. Corey Yeeple is saying Grant is the lock of the year. Handy has one knee and Grant knows. I, I, that's another fight that I want nothing with. Uh, Joshi Poo saying, Do you remove past Patreon subscribers from your Discord if they cancel? Um, I believe uh, Patreon, did, like within the first like week of the new month, I believe they run some sort of like update and then it stifles through and uh, whichever guys are not signed up to the Patreon will get pushed out. Papa Chuck, how was your 420? Amazing. <laughs> As always. Chad Swiver Swire saying lock of the night teaser. I don't have a lock of the night at this moment, but I likely will. There are a couple of spots I like enough that I think I would, you know, lay three and a half units or more on. Uh, just off the top of my head, you know, I, I really like Barber in this spot. I think she's a really solid play here. I just don't think that De La Rosa's wrestling will be able to keep up uh, or, or, you know, fare her well in this fight against Barber, who will be the much better striker. And I think she's just going to be too good in terms of keeping down. Uh, yeah, Barbara is probably the one that I like the most. Andrade as well, but, you know, Lemos could definitely crack her early in this fight, and that is a bit of concern. So I definitely feel a little bit safer with Barbara in this spot. And even the uh, the fight doesn't go to decision in the Orichi Lang and Cameron Else fight. I really like that spot. So maybe even parlay those two together. I kind of like that. Uh, Cameron Likens, I hope you're here for the 
my quick Bellator run through. <laughs> Mr. Jingles is saying Guida is a lock. I do like Guida, possible uh, dog of the night play there. Uh, let me just quickly catch up. <laughs> here we go. Jewish better with a damn good marketing uh, advice here saying you should change the dog of the night to Alfred's play of the week. I love it. And then if anybody hasn't seen the uh, the picture that I threw up there of uh, Alfred, I got I got somebody to do a, a quick like mock up of him. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. But uh, I was thinking of doing some sort of merch with him because you guys are getting very synonymous with him, right? You guys know who he is. You know what he's all about. Let me just quickly share my screen here. But uh, I really wanted to have something done about him. And uh, oh. My uh, page is flipping now. Just give me one sec, fellas. And again, I apologize to the audio viewers that are going to be like, I don't see it. If you if you are listening to this audio, just go to my uh, Twitter page and you'll see it as one of the first pages there. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> I got somebody to do this up. Got the Lock of the Night logo and all this, or chain and uh, him in a turtleneck. I fucking love that picture. But yeah, maybe maybe I should change it to uh, Alfred's Play of the Week for my dog of the night play. I don't mind that at all. Good good uh, Good look there. For my guy, Jewish better. Uh, Adam Quinn saying, let's go Sixers. Yes, that's why I wear the uh, Raptors championship hat to hopefully spur some motivation for those guys to not get swept, at least win one or two games. Just don't get swept, please. Come on. All right. Um, again, Cody is coming very shortly. I, I hope very shortly. We're supposed to start off at 4 o'clock. I'm hoping he's all good. Just waiting to hear back from him to get a... Update on him. MT MPTV saying, where you been, brother? Uh, again, I, I was talking about it earlier in the stream. I went out to visit the in-laws. It just completely me threw me out the loop because I uh, pretty much just spent the week with them. And uh, yeah, but I'm back. Everything's all good. We are all good. David Miller saying, what fight are you most looking forward to watching on any card this week? You know what? I'm glad that you said any card and not just the UFC card. But I, I will start with the UFC card. I'm very interested in Lemos versus Andrade. That's a very interesting fight. I can't wait to see how that one plays out. And then in the, the Bellator side of things, Archuleta versus Stotts. You know, there's a lot of hype now on Stotts because of his last big win. Uh, interested to see if he's able to keep that up and if he's going to look the minus 275 that he's currently at as well. Um, let's see. Joshua Frick, appreciate you in the chat. Aaron Quilas saying uh, minus 650 Fury, minus 190 on George Parlay. Got a G on it. Nice. I totally forgot that Fury was fighting this weekend as well. But yeah, he should absolutely win that fight. Uh, Zero Bob saying you like Parsons. I actually lean with the, the other guy, Evan Elders. Uh, I do think if he can keep this fight upright, he should have success and find the knockout. Aaron Quilla saying Barber sucks. I don't know about that, my man. Um, uh, again, the, the public perception on her is kind of low because of the Miranda Maverick fight, but it wasn't too long ago that people were willing to pay minus 800 on her. I think Montana Dolorosa is a solid fighter, but I just don't know if that Barber, or sorry, I just don't know if she'll be able to beat a girl like Barber. Small world lifter saying Russian fighters have been looking awful. I think it must be some kind of uh, bother to cross borders affecting their performances. Ulenbekov, uh, oh, yeah, I completely have forgot how to pronounce that guy's name, but I know you're talking about the guy that lost to Kyle Baraglio, uh, Volkov Jan, etc. Something, something to think about. Not a not a bad way to to look about it. Yeah, MPTV bringing up a good point, saying Olenek looked fine. Yep. 
Elias saying Barbara and Mark Parlay. Again, I, I'm a, I'm a big Mark Andre Barrio fan, right? I had a little bit of money on him against Chidi Anjaquani because I thought it was a great matchup for him. But the guy gets dinged right off the bat, so let's see how he bounces back off his first ever uh, KO loss and uh, if he can actually you know bounce back effectively here. Clint asking, is Cody stuck in traffic? I'm hoping not. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to hear back from him very shortly. But he should be able to hop on very, very shortly here. Uh, yeah, Clint, great, great uh, call here. Did you see Romanov's transformation? Yeah, he dropped like 15 to 20 pounds. Looks absolutely shredded. Maybe took a, you know, a, a lesson from his fight against Juan Espino. Maybe he needs to, you know, trim up, and maybe that will help his cardio out as well. Um, We'll see. Again, well, we won't know the extent of his improvements here against a guy like Chase Sherman because I think he'll run through him relatively easily. But after that, we we shall see how it goes. Um, Justin T saying, Alice looks like a good dog of the night. He's a... Uh, I think the term glass cannon is the perfect term for, for a guy like uh, Cameron Ose. Very good round one fighter. But after round one, it really starts to fall off for him. And I feel like that's where he's going to start to give it up to a Richie Lang, who should be able to find uh, big shots later in this fight and eventually put him away. For me, the spot, though, is the fight doesn't go to decision in that fight because it's roughly around the same price as picking a Richie Lang money line. I think the fight is going to finish regardless. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think fight doesn't go to decision, but I do lean on the Richie Lang side here. Again, for anybody stepping in right now, uh, I'm just waiting on my guy Cody. Uh, not sure if he's caught up in traffic or, or what's going on at this moment in time, but uh, I, I didn't want to keep you guys waiting too much longer. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping that he'll be able to hop on very shortly here. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Joe Rogan's forehead wrinkle saying, does Jackson Berry go to the scorecards? Oh, man. If Barry can't find that knockout blow, I could see this just being a kickboxing fight for 15 minutes. And again, Barry seems to have solid power. And I I wrote this in my Patreon breakdown, but I, I, I would compare Mike Jackson's kickboxing ability because that is, that is his background. His kickboxing ability is like that of somebody who does it recreationally but has been doing it recreationally for a long time. So, like, he does certain things right with his striking, other than the fact that he keeps his chin way up in the air. But his striking techniques seem to be there. It's just he's not a UFC-level fighter. Neither is Dean Barry. So I would not at all uh, suggest, you know, parlaying Dean Barry at minus 1,500. The guy is barely good. <laughs> like, he's he's okay. But he should be able to find that knockout here. And get this done with. I just don't want anything. Um, I, I I want nothing to do with that fight, though. Sorry, let me just wet this whistle and see what the rest of these questions are. All right. <laughs> Author saying, uh, traffic, it's almost midnight in Poland. <laughs> Yes, it is like 5 p.m. Uh, p.m. Uh, yes, sorry, 5 p.m. here uh, in Toronto. So we'll see. 
MPTV Manpreet, I've been looking for a Clay's TikTok. Do you know what it's called? Clay's or Clint's? I don't know who Clay is if you're talking about Clay Guida. I'd be surprised if Clay Guida has a TikTok. Rick Martinez, what do you think of this parlay for tonight? Let's see. Barzola. Uh, Sabatello. And Neil. Uh, again, I think Mikhailov is a solid underdog spot. I think Sabatello is a good spot. Um, I'm just not the most familiar with Grant Neal myself. So apologies that I can't help out with that there. Um, Southpaw picks and he'll hop on. Uh, again, I might have to, uh, I might have to pull an audible here if Cody's not able to come on, but, uh, Maybe Clint. Maybe Clint wants to come on. I already did a podcast with him yesterday, but I know my guy Cody will be here. I I, I can count on it. I feel as though so. Let's see. Ha <laughs> Glenn bought five thousand, saying deadlock all the way away. So could you imagine? Of course. Um. Yeah. Uh. Bulldog saying Jordan rolls. He looked great. He does look really good on the. Uh, On the skills, um, MPTV saying if Della Rosa does win, I'd bet my thumbs that it's a decision. I'd love that prop. I felt this way about Sam Hughes as well. See, that's the one that I'm most pissed off at myself about because if I was able to put in the time that I needed to to research that uh, that Sam Hughes fight, man, I feel like I would have come out on the Sam Hughes side because I've always felt she's been disrespected a little bit too much. And Estella Nunes, her striking has looked great, but you know, I, I I completely missed the fact that, you know, she slowed down a lot against Ariane Carlosi, which is why she ended up getting finished in that fight. And, uh, yeah, Sam Hughes seems to have solid cardio, so she should have been able to, to do what she did, and she fucking did it. And that was a, a big miss on my part in terms of betting the, a solid underdog price on Sam Hughes there. Adam Quinn, elder live dog. I do believe so, but I do like the fight doesn't go to decision more so in that spot. MPTVC, St. Clint or Clay. He is bald with glasses and super enthusiastic. There you go. Cody. Oh, Cody. I know you're coming, but where are you? Oh, Cody. All right, let's take a couple more questions here. Uh, <laughs> Brock, what, not a bad idea here, saying just start with Clinton and make it a menage a trois when Cody gets here. Clint, if you're up for it, maybe I'll throw you in here. At least until my guy Cody gets in here. Hans Gratz saying lock tape index goat. Yes, thank you for plugging the tape index for me there, brother. Uh, apologies again. I was completely off the mat. Uh, the, the tape index got a little outdated, but I uh, was able to put together a giant uh, update for you guys over the last couple of days. So hope you guys are enjoying that. Uh, my plan is to get the PFL, sorry, PFL index up for you guys uh, in the next day or two. So you guys will be on that as well. 
My guy, MMA Fight Club saying minus 135, right? Barrio not starting round three seems like a safe spot. What do you think? I wouldn't call it safe. I think it's an interesting spot. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a safe spot because Barrio could take a while to just continue to grind him, right? Like he might have to go into third round to find that finish. But yeah, uh, very interesting fight for sure. Prince of Mischief saying thoughts on this parlay. Um, the right, Ari, Arichi Lang and Pedro fight to not go the distance. I like it all. I like it all. Papa Chuck saying Sativa Rendica. Whatever, I'm good. <laughs> MPTV is saying I'm betting on De La Rosa's size. I just don't trust her control on top of a girl like Macy, but we'll see. Small World Lifter saying, would you ever do something like odds again? Those were good times. Uh, maybe for like a big card, I'll try to get the gang back together just for like an Ultimate Wayne show type of thing. Like I did it way back and uh, people really seem to enjoy it. Odds were, it was good, good times when we're on odds. I, I really miss those times, right? It was it was great just not having to be the host, right? I, I really appreciated Bleed's um, role as the host there. And obviously he was able to give his analysis as well, but he did a really good job in terms of hosting that show. And I thought we had a great cast there as well. Um, yeah. I would love to do that again. Shout out to small world lifters for that throwback there. Uh, LT Lieutenant Dan saying Mapri as a fellow Canadian, which of our countrymen are you looking forward to watching this weekend? Always Jordan, man. Always Jordan. I've been I've been enjoying this, that guy's fights since way back in the day. Uh, when he was an amateur, I got to watch a couple of his fights. I was an, as an amateur on an Indian reserve in Mon uh, just outside of Montreal. Uh, so it's always a treat to watch him. Yeah, I got to say him. Um. <laughs> Everybody wants Clinton here. Uh, Joe Rogan's forehead wrinkle says Luca, Luca Fury said his lean for the main event is it doesn't go to the scorecards. I agree. Um, I, I think that Lemos will slow down too much, and I think that Andrade will eventually find that big shot to put her out. So, uh, give me. We got some word from the man himself. He should be on here very shortly. Yeah, he said he just got home, so uh, he should be on in in a couple minutes. Here, I'll take a couple more questions, then then we'll uh, and then we'll get into the show. Uh, but yeah, uh, in terms of Luca Fury's lean for the main event, I agree with that. I do think that Andrade eventually gets her out of there later in this fight. And Clint, uh, appreciate the text, but uh, no, I, I won't be needing you. I appreciate you offering up your services there, but uh, uh, glad to hear that Cody will be here very shortly. So just sit tight, fellas. Again, if you're watching this on the replay, I apologize that you guys had 30 minutes of me blabbering, but uh, I hope you guys hit that uh, timestamp so you guys are able to get right to the good shit with my guy. All right. Um, um, Papa Chuck saying, who is your most reliable co-host? Um, maybe Clint. <laughs> Clint is Clint is the professional's professional. Uh, my guy, Akin Zuldiar here, saying, uh, when are you becoming a UFC fighter? Never. 
probably never. I just would not get punched in the face. I remember I used to do sparring, like body sparring, uh, when I used to work at an MMA gym. Like it's been, wow, it's been eight years now, seven, eight years since I worked over there. But uh, yeah, before I would start my shift, I'd I'd usually do their boxing class, and uh, that's the most or closest I, I'd ever get. Early away in podcasting, Jordan leading the way for Canada right now. It, it seems so. I'm trying to think off the top of my head other guys that are coming close, but like Hakeem Dawadu, maybe. I, I can't recall his last fight. Did he win his last fight? Um, what was Hakeem's last fight? Yeah, he beat uh, Mike Trezano. His only loss, well... Uh, obviously, he lost his UFC debut. I I would chalk that up to UFC jitters and flying across the world to to have that fight against Danny Henry. But his only other loss was to Movzar Ivlev. So let's cut him some slack there. Mr. Jingo said, love the multi-format uh, as well with three or four cappers. My only concern with that is, is podcasts going way too long. Like two and a half, three hours every Friday night was... It was a little tough, right? It was a little bit tough. I like keeping a little bit more concise. The main thing is not getting regurgitated takes from every single person. Like that's that's where when I when I see some of these three show or sorry three hosts or three four, uh, sorry, god damn, why can't I talk? Three to four uh, guest panel type of shows. A lot of the shit is just yep, I agree with you. This and that. With one on ones, like sure there might be agreements on certain spots, but if there is a disagreement on a certain fight. At least we can uh, uh, have a legitimate debate between between two people. But yeah, I, I get the love for three to four cappers on one show as well. I might do that every once in a while. We'll see. Uh, Bulldog saying, what do you think about the mic test situation? Uh, if you talk shit, you're going to get hit. That's all that matters. All right. Um... Cody should be here any second now. Uh, Brock asking the Cap and Mudarji fight is off. Yes, it is. Um, ba, 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 ba. Uncle Weezy in the chat. I can't wait to have my guy Uncle Weezy back on the Ultimate Weigh-In show. Uh, I'm going to hit him up in the next couple of days to line him up for the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I love my guy Uncle Weezy. Make sure you guys go check out his... Uh, his new project that he's running with Lou and all those guys, uh, DFS by the numbers and Monk Matic. They're doing the MMA engine. Love those guys. Love what they're doing. Make sure you guys go check it out. Southpaw Picks did not know you were a Brampton man's B-Town Unite. Hit me up in my Twitter DMs. Maybe we'll line something up together for the next couple weeks. Um, let's see. Love you, Uncle Weezy. Appreciate the love as always. Yep, Cody should be here in a couple minutes. And I can't wait to get him in here because we got some great news to share with you guys that I'm sure that you guys can't wait to hear. 
I can't wait to announce it, but I thought I'd wait for Cody to get here first. I know there was some dead air there, Rod Torque. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the fuck to say without sounding like a complete idiot, uh, especially for my audio users. I hope they're not looking down at their or they weren't looking down at their phones and be like, "Hey, what happened? <laughs> Did it cut off? No, it didn't. We're all good though." Uh, let's see here, Papa Truck saying, uh, "Best three or four leg parlay on this card of first round KO TKOs." Ooh, uh, interesting ask there. I'd say Romanov, but that could potentially be a submission, but I do see that happening in round one. Um, okay. The, the, the Dean Barry fight could finish in round one. Philippe Linz could finish in round one. Uh, Elder and Parsons could finish in round one. Villanueva Pedro could finish in round one. Uh, Arichi Lang, Cameron Ellis. Uh, Dwight Grant, if he finds that one-punch knockout, he could finish find that. Jordan Wright, if he gets his hand raised, that could be a round one finish. And then a Romanov fight. All the other fights, I think, will squeak at least into the second round or so. Ken um, saying you're getting married. Uh, I did actually get married two years ago, but we didn't do the festivities, obviously, because of COVID. But uh, yeah, we're going to be doing our festivities this year. So. First week of June, I may not have any content, but I'll be sure to at least be more prepared so I don't go missing again. Jacksonville saying, Lock, maybe you can do some jumpy jack and Jackson until Cody comes on. That was still, well, actually, you overheal my huffing and puffing in the background, so there won't be any. any uh dead air at least but uh yeah no cody should be here in a couple minutes he just said it'll be about five minutes or so so um brock saying uh, andrage is the 115 queen people are discounting her because of her last couple of fights lemos has been very uh impressive as well obviously not so much the last fight uh but yeah (laughs) <laughs> PGC, the stream didn't update until I refreshed the page. Yeah, I've been live, my man. I, I thought you would have been seeing the live chat at least. Joshua Frick saying went missing like the Raptors in the fourth. Yeah, I knew they'd blow it. Funnily enough, you know, I love the Raptors. But when I saw the 76ers as plus 340 underdogs in the second quarter, I'm like, got to take a stab. And thankfully I did. All right. My guy should be here any second now. Again, we're going to be going over the full card here. Might even do a, a slight prop new up edition of it. But I also have to say this. I might have to uh, keep it slightly brief just because of the... Uh, uh, I, I do have something going on in about an hour or so that I need to be present for. So if you guys hear me kind of you know, Russian Cody a little bit at times. I apologize, but uh, timing really seemed to be an issue today. So I apologize for that. Daniel saying, who's your NFL team? I, I don't follow the NFL at all. I'll pick one side whenever there's the Super Bowl. That's it. <laughs> Jacksonville Zoe saying, okay, question. Who do you think Triple C fights in his first fight back in the UFC? I think outside of um, outside of Josie Aldo, which, was, which would be kind of like a legacy fight for him, uh 
I'd be surprised if he accepts anything other than a title fight. The guy left as the champ. Got to give him a title shot. And it has to be at 135 pounds. So that's where I'd like. Rod Torx saying, Linz look great at the weigh-ins. I am very happy to hear that. Bulldogs reminding y'all, Macy is still the future. I got Kyle Marley in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by. Ren, I promise you as soon as this wraps up, I'll be finishing up those updates. If you actually look on the page right now, you'll see the update post UFC 273, but I didn't filter it in terms of uh, 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 sorting it by who has the most unit count because I still got to do uh, the last week's event as well. Uh, and it'll be easier for me to kind of sort and just do everything uh, if I keep it that way. But if you want to look at what the post-UFC 273 results look like, those are already posted right now. Uh, but yeah, the 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 rest of it will be after this. Um, after I wrap this up, put the timestamps on this podcast, then I'm back at it. PSSA asking if I'm going to any live fight soon. Uh, again, I got my wedding festivities coming up in the first week of June. So that that's going to keep me kind of MIA from going to any fights anytime soon. But by the end of the year, I'd really like to go. Papa Chuck saying, who's your favorite uncle? Obviously, Wheezy. <laughs> right? It's got to be Uncle Wheezy. Um. Ren with the super chat as well. Greatly appreciate the love, my man. Again, I, I know you want those lock of the night updates. I will get them as soon as possible. They will never be as this tardy again. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a crazy week. All right, Cody, let's go. <laughs> I don't want to like keep stringing you guys along thinking that uh, I'm just talking shit that he told me that he'd be here in five minutes. But he said he's going to be here in five minutes. So he'll be here very shortly. Again, thanks for, for sticking with me. 130 of you guys just listen to me jibber-jabber. And I never really, like I've done Locky Late Night where I just get super baked and I just talk whatever off the top of my head. So again, something that I just really want to do more of. I got a lot of love for the last one that I did. Uh, over a thousand views on that one. I think that was the most ever watched Locky Late Night that I've ever done. But yeah, haven't really ever just talked shit for close to 40 minutes by myself. Ted B saying Macy is a fraud, in my opinion. Alpha male is a joke of a gym, especially for females. Again, I I, I think will Macy Barber be champion? Maybe not, but she should be able to beat girls at the skill level of Montana Del Rosa. Clint asking, who is my favorite Ninja Turtle? Will will I take some heat if I say I can't remember the names? <laughs> like i used to watch it like i have some of the cassettes and stuff i just don't remember the names because i didn't used to watch it as religiously as most people uh what was the red guy's name uh leonardo no let me ask my guest <laughs> cody what's up Serious. question for you before i before we get into this do you remember the names of the ninja turtles uh yeah 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 do you remember the name of the red one? 
There is Raphael, Donatello, uh, Michelangelo, Red, Raphael. Red, Red, Raphael. Yeah, I think I think that's Raphael. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so Raphael was my favorite. Again, I just don't really recall the names of them exactly. No, Mikey, Michelangelo is the best one. Man. That was, was your sack. favorite. <laughs> uh, total sack. Yeah, yeah, good guy, though. I love it. I love it. All right. We finally got my guy Cody in here. Appreciate everybody that's been chilling. Uh, I was able to get to as many questions as possible, but we are here for UFC Vegas 52, breaking down Amanda Lemos versus Jessica Andrade, the full card for you guys. But before we do so, I wanted to drop some very fun news. A lot of you guys have been asking for it for a very long time. Uh, me and Cody are going to be doing propping, are going to be doing propping you up on a weekly basis once again. All thanks to the All-Star. So make sure you guys, if you haven't already, go over there and subscribe to the All-Star. They see the numbers that we're doing over there on their channel. They see the love that they're getting just because of our show. And now they want to bring us on full-time, all for fight night shows as well. So make sure you guys go check it out. Starting next week, starting with the Rob Font and uh, Chito Vera card, we're going to be doing propping you up every goddamn week for you guys. Cody, what, what are your thoughts on that, man? I can't wait to do this thing fucking weekly with you again. Dude, I'm pumped up. So you and I used to have uh, the Oz.com pay gig back in the day, and they took good care of us, and it was awesome just to do a weekly show. And honestly, I love making free content. I love giving it to the people. But at some point, somebody's got to pay, and I don't want it to be the people. So you need yeah. sponsorship. You need you need people to come on board and say, we like the content. We like the interactions. We like all that. We want to grow this stuff. So uh, to find a sponsor is, is tough as it is. To find a good sponsor, as you know, very difficult. So I'll start coming on board just unbelievable awesome and uh, i'm really excited to be able to do a weekly show with you keep my my, my tools sharp and uh yeah hit some props we're gonna be doing post way and stuff we're gonna be doing all that good stuff so uh yeah i was looking forward to it as always absolutely man i, I knew that show was gonna go places especially when we started up on odds.com and it was just a matter of time before one of these outlets picked it up and i was glad that the all-star you know they they dipped their toes a little bit with the pay-per-view episodes but after like three episodes like oh yeah you guys are totally worth it <laughs> come through so i'm glad that we were able to provide that bump for them and now we'll be doing it on a weekly basis so if you guys haven't already make sure you guys go check out the all-star subscribe to their channel and we'll be on there every thursday starting next week but cody we're here to talk about ufc vegas 52 which goes down this saturday uh from a quick fans perspective is there anything that jumps out to you that you're very much excited to look uh to to watch this weekend yeah well we can't lie to the fans so this is like a pretty weak card and can not what the ufc is probably their 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 regular uh you know what they're used to what they're accustomed to there's two bellator shows on this weekend i think you can make a strong argument both bellator shows are, are stronger than this there was a PFL show on Wednesday. Good argument that PFL show wasn't too bad either. But of course, when you look at it, there's a, this is a card that has a lot of could-be's, could-be's, could-be good prospects. And that's what I'm looking for. Mano Lemo, she's 34 years old. Not sure if she could be a good prospect. But of course, a win over in Josh here does wonders for her. Beyond that, though, Macy Barber's still young. Alexander Romanov, how could you not get behind him? <laughs> King Kong! Charles Jordan versus Lando Venata could be a fight of the night, could be fight of the year. You know, like it, it, it's got action all written all over it. That Jordan Wright dude, that motherfucker you don't want to miss. <laughs> it's probably not going to last long. I would look to hit the under one and a half, but of course, Jordan Wright versus Mark Tyson Pedro back off a long layoff. So as a hardcore, you could get excited about a bunch of stuff, but I get it's just another one of the UFC's cars. They owe these guys contracts. There's a lot of guys on the show that I didn't even know were still fighting in the UFC. But of course, this is their opportunity to showcase themselves and put themselves back on the map. So if we can find value, if we can make a buck, I'm all for it. 
All right. All right. I love to hear it as well. For me, it, it is the Jordan Wright fight that I'm very much looking forward to as well. The, the Charles Jordan fight, that should be absolute bananas. But let's get this thing going. Uh, first fight of the night, we got Dean Barry going up against Mike Jackson. You'd think I'd be talking about Bellator, but no, this is a UFC fight. And in terms of odds, we got minus 1,800 on Dean Barry, plus 900 now the return on Mike Jackson. We can keep this one short and sweet, right? Mike Jackson is pretty much a photographer for MMA. He got a gig with the UFC because he wanted to put his name in the hat to potentially fight CM Punk. Uh, he ended up going up against Mickey Gall to determine who fights CM Punk. Even though he ends up losing the Mickey Gall fight, he still ends up getting his turn to fight uh, CM Punk. Gets the win that night, but still showcases why he doesn't really deserve to be in the UFC. The guy is a recreational kickboxer. That's pretty much it. He does it for fun. He goes to his day job, then he goes to kickboxing for fun at night. Like, he shows some decent techniques. Like, if you were to just walk into your regular gym right now and see him kickboxing, you'd be like, oh, that guy probably knows what he's doing. But when he's in a fighting scenario, those, uh, those bad habits of his, like you know, sticking his chin right up in the air, obviously come back and bite him in the ass. And I think that's where Dean Barry is going to be able to capitalize. I think he's a better striker here, more explosive, more power. I think he'll be able to find that chin and put Mike Jackson down. But am I willing to pay minus 1,800 on a guy as bad as Dean Barry? Because I don't even think he deserves to be in the UFC. Hell no. Nah. I'm keeping this fight off everything because who knows what's going to happen here. The under one and a half is a little bit intriguing at minus 120. Uh, but the Barry by KO at minus 175 is probably the the best line on this on this fight i don't know what are your thoughts on this one yeah yeah i think uh of course at this point there's not much value that you can get out of it dean barry's conor mcgregor's buddy so conor wants him on the card otherwise how uh, in the world would this guy end up on a show he does have some kickboxing experience he looks good he looks flashy but again he's not really an mma fighter he shows a four and one record the one loss is by rear naked choke and it's to anthony taylor aj mckee's boy it's two and five at the time right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty boy. But, but, you know, he took the back and he sunk in the choke. So, of course, I don't expect much from Dean Barry in terms of an overall MMA game. Again, why would they sign him at 4-1? Uh, but he's Connor's buddy. So they're looking to match him up pretty soft. What's interesting is that he's had two fights with Mike Jackson already scheduled. One Jackson pulled out of, one he pulled out of. Then UFC seemingly caught him. He picked over a win over Drew Lipton, 6-30. and 30. That was a late notice replacement, but they offered him a contract against Mike Jackson, rescinded the contract. He beat a six and 30 opponent. They put the contract back on the table to bring Mike Jackson off the shelf who hasn't fought in four years. Like, does any of this add up and make sense? Like even by Bellator standards, it would be weird, but, uh, but yeah, of course that's what you got. So the line opens up and it was huge because you see them, you see what they're trying to set up by the time now it's minus 1800. I mean, you're going to want to chase it by Barry inside the distance. He's really probably not going to submit Mike Jackson. So you're going to want to go with Barry by TKO. Jackson's not terrible. I mean, he showed in the CM Punk fight. Of course, CM Punk is terrible. Like he's got a, a, an educated jab. He fights a long man's, a long man's game plan, but he too has doesn't really, doesn't seem to have much of a ground game. I think he's a BJJ purple belt. There's just the line is so blown up. The fight itself is a bit of a freak show fight. Nothing really adds up. But yeah, I would say Barry, Barry inside the distance, Barry by TKO more specifically. In terms of the weigh-ins, I didn't really take away anything, you know, big from the fight either side. But yeah, yeah, it's banana peel pricing at this point. Like this guy could slip, fall on the ground, get caught in a rear naked choke and tap. You have a minus eighteen hundred, like it's two. It's too big from that standpoint. Even when I parlay some stuff for tomorrow and tweet stuff out, I can't put this guy on the top ticket in good conscience. He's a four and one kickboxer. It was a loss to Anthony Taylor. Like, did I mention Anthony Taylor? Like, ah, uh, terrible times, terrible times. So I think we're on the same page, dude, to be quite honest.
I love it. I love it. All right, let's keep this thing moving along because next up we got a light heavyweight matchup, which is actually the light heavyweight debut of uh, Philippe Linz inside the UFC. He has competed at light heavyweight in the past. He's going up against Marcin Pacquiao. Uh, we got minus 125 on Pacquiao and plus 105 on Philippe Linz. I think gone were the days of uh, Marcin Pacquiao being a favorite against anybody, right? Remember, he was like the laughing stock of the UFC after he got dropped by Sam Alvey again and again and again by the same goddamn technique but now here he is as a small favorite over philippe lens who hasn't been in the cage for quite a long time right he's had several fights fall out now and he's been the main reason for all of them uh i believe it's what three six fights now that he's fallen out of and he was the reason for five of them the last time we saw him in the cage was june of 2020 that was a month after the ufc came back from the whole covid fiasco and that was the night that he got knocked out by tanner bozer now here he is trying to make his light heavyweight debut in the ufc going up against the guy in Mar uh, marching pracknell who's you know put together some couple solid wins right he a lot of people thought he'd go out there and get deaded by Khalil roundtree but he put on a solid performance that night winning that fight via decision and then last time around he took out ike villanueva who also fights later on this card I feel like this will more more than likely be a striking battle, and I feel like you can trust the Philippe Lin striking a little bit more than what you're going to be getting from the Pracnial side. Pracnial, you know, uses a, a karate style, you know, likes to use his kicks from the outside, but when he does crash forward and try to crash the pocket uh, with the striking, it seems a little bit wild and reckless, a little bit wide at times, and that's where I think that Philippe Lin's with the sharper striking should be able to find the button on Pracnial and put him down and put him out. I'm actually very much concerning a play here on Philippe Lenz uh, at underdog money. The only thing kind of holding me back is the layoff, him coming down and weight and all that. But on the scales, the guy looked great. Guy looked great at stare down, or at the face-offs, stepping on the scale, all of that stuff. Now it's all about just stepping in the cage and actually going out there and performing. And it wasn't that long ago that a lot of people thought that he could make a solid run at heavyweight. But after starting off his UFC career 0-2, a lot of people's expectations for him have really dropped. But I do think that this is a solid opportunity for him to bounce back in a new division against the guy in uh, Marching Prakna, who you know a lot of people just didn't believe in his chin anymore. And all of a sudden, they don't think that uh, Linz can knock him out. I absolutely believe that Linz will be able to find that knockout and get him out of there. So give me Philippe Linz, Philippe Linz by KO. And uh, I believe that line is currently sitting at uh, plus 200. Not too bad of a line there. I believe we just lost Cody. Let me just bring him back in here. There he is. So yeah, I'm going uh, Philippe Linz. Philippe Lins by KO, possible dog of the night play there for me as well. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I got to go the other way. It's not like I love Marcin Pracnio. Again, like you mentioned, he was the laughing stock of the UFC. Nobody wanted any shares in this guy, and then he scrapes up a couple victories. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to have a whole lot of faith in him. But Felipe Lins, as far as I'm concerned, is pretty much a career bust. Like, he won a million dollars in the PFL tournament and has had no success outside of that one moment. You go back to his Bellator days, right? He did compete at 205 pounds, and he wasn't all that good. He lost as like a 6-1 to favorite against Kelly Nunson. He lost as a 4-1 to favorite against Kleber Silva. He fans out of Bellator when they released him, and then he signs a PFL. Now, it's interesting because he moves up to heavyweight, beats Alex Nicholson, UFC washout, at 231 pounds. KO Alencar, uh, Jared Rochalt, UFC uh, cast out at 265 pounds, and then beat Josh Copeland, UFC castaway, at 234 pounds. So he kind of made this build for himself where he could fight at heavyweight, even though he's a 205 fight at heavyweight against bad heavyweights, low-level heavyweights, and maybe just be a little bit quicker, a little bit more, more mobile. Of course, he had a little bit of excitement. He won a million dollars, and then PFL releases him. And he expects like 40 grand to fight in the UFC. 
And then his two fights in the UFC, my friend, have been terrible. His fight with Andrei Arlovsky, very gun-shy, never pulls the trigger, low, low volume, didn't really look himself. But okay, they're former training partners. Let's give him a pass on that one. Well, then his next fight against Tanner Bozer, again, he looks terrible. He's, he's slow, he's lethargic. And Bozer not really known for his power, of course, you know that. Uh, Bozer just clips him and puts him away. So now he's searching for something. He's dropped back down to 205, where I'd like to believe this is probably a better weight class for him. I've seen him at 205 before, and wasn't really all that good to begin with. I struggle to find what he does best. Is he a striker? Can he grapple? Does he have durability? Does he have cardio? None of that stuff is all that exciting for me. So I think Pracnell's done a good job of kind of toning down his style. I mean, he's got a Kukushin karate background, but he's just way too ultra aggressive. You watch him in one championship, ultra aggressive. You see him in the UFC, fights like an idiot. Sam Alvey drops him twice because he's just running headfirst at him. But he's been fighting a little bit better since then. The Khalil Roundtree fight, obviously a good victory for him. Uh, shows a little bit of perseverance, and then, yeah, he, he smokes out Ike Villanueva. What can you take away from that one? I think he's getting more comfortable. I think he's getting better reps in. I think he's fighting a little bit smarter, and that might just be enough to beat Felipe Lin. So I would say Pracneo. I have a nagging suspicion it would be Pracneo by knockout. But, again, I mean, the line's close enough that I might just take it straight up. Well, I guess it's not all that. Yeah, you're getting the dog money of Felipe Lin. It's not a terrible play as well, but I would have to kindly disagree and go the other way. <clears throat> Yeah, minus 125, plus 105. It's not like it's an, a, a huge uh, gap there in between them as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see the the case for the other side as well with Prack now, especially if the durability issues of Philippe Lenz are legit. Like, again, we both know that Tanner Bozer is not a knockout artist. To have that loss on his record is a, is, is a red flag for sure. But I feel like people might be forgetting about the uh, the chin issues of, of Prack now himself. So we'll see whose chin ends up cracking this weekend. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh, Preston Parsons taking on short notice. Evan Elder, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 140 for Parsons, plus 120 for Elder. And uh, a very intriguing fight here. Uh, I think it could be a firefight, man. Preston Parsons is a banshee. Likes to come out, likes to try to get you to the ground, try to find a submission, try to use him as ground and pound. But I think that one thing that he very much benefited from on the regional scene, especially at that combat pro fight night promotion that he used to fight for, was their super small cage. Like, their cage was hella small, especially compared to, uh, if you remember, WXC, like the Wednesday night fights, I believe that used to take place in Michigan as well. But they had super small cages, and that works perfectly with the game plan of Preston Parsons, which is to rush his opponent, get them to the ground, and try to get his uh, jiu-jitsu game going. Now, you know, I, I get it. They're in the apex, and they're still in a smaller cage than the regular pay-per-view uh, cage that they fight in. But this cage is still much bigger than what he used to fight in back uh, in the combat pro days. So I think he will struggle a little bit to get Evan Elder to the ground here. And if he does struggle, I think he's going to struggle even more with the striking of Evan Elder, which looks pretty prime and pretty solid. And he seems to have a lot of power in his hands as well. Um, he was scheduled to fight Cody Fister in a couple weeks, so it's not like he's just rolling off the couch to take this fight. He's in proper shape. He trains for trains at Sanford MMA, which is another big plus for him as well. And I think he's a decent spot here as an underdog too. I think that if he can survive the early onslaught from Preston Parsons, he should be able to find that button later in this fight and eventually put him out. Parsons never seen the scorecards, and I think that trend continues this weekend when uh, Evan Elder finds that knockout and puts him out. So Elder by knockout plus 225, but even his money line at plus 120, give me some of that. What are your thoughts on this one? Good to agree 100%. Good to agree. Okay. Well, the fight got, yeah, the fight got announced on Wednesday. We were doing the Dogger Pass preview, so I really didn't have much time to look at it, but I had speculated that Elder would be a slight favorite uh, based on, yeah, I mean, he's a better striker. If he's able to keep the fight standing, he's going to find the mark, hopefully get a knockout over Parsons. Parsons is a banshee, like you said, but defensive, defensively, 
he's a liability. You look at all three of his losses. It's generally when he pushes a pace, starts to get tired, or gets clipped. Of course, he got not knocked out by Daniel Rodriguez. No shame in that. Got knocked out by Mike Perry. No shame in that. Both first round. But again, I mean, tough guys. And then he's got a loss to uh, the BB monster, Valdir Arroyo, by second round guillotine choke. So again, like you said, he's an inside the distance kind of guy in victory and defeat. And I think with Elder, he's still only 25. He might be a little bit green in some ways. But the guy's making a lot of rapid improvements. He did have a fight schedule with Fister, as you mentioned. And Cody Fister is a wrestler. So if you're going into this matchup, sure to God, the game plan is I'm going to have to stuff some takedowns and the kid's actually a decent enough grappler. So him being at Sanford MMA, which just got a plethora of high-level guys, just top, top talent in the game. I do see him making improvements. I do see making enough improvements to keep this fight standing and hopefully find the mark. So I thought he'd be a slight favorite. He ends up being a slight underdog, and that's great by me because I would love to hit a little bit of plus money here. So I'm going to uh, agree with everything you're, th everything you're saying. I got uh, I got Evan Elder, and I got Evan Elder uh, by knockout, more preferably. And, of course, I got to mention, Preston Parsons does have a submission win over Ignacio Bahamondes, and uh, as well as David Mundell is a decent enough uh, prospect. So the guy does have good grappling. This is very much grappler versus striker. As you said, the cage is a little bit better than he's used to, but he'll have his opportunities. I'm just hoping if this thing gets stuck, if this takedowns get stuffed and stay standing, he'll start to fatigue over time and the elder will find the money. Uh, I'd be uh, not doing my job though if I didn't uh, recognize the fight doesn't go to decision is hanging around minus 200 at certain places. Possible parlay spot if anybody likes that because I think whoever wins will more than likely be, be getting a finish in this spot. All right, let's move on to the next fight. Speaking of finishes, we got the Mongolian murderer, Arichi Lang, going up against uh, Cameron Els. In terms of odds, we got minus 250 on Arichi Lang and plus 200 the return on Cameron Els. Now, Cameron Els is one guy that I've always had circled as someone that I've wanted to fade, right? The guy's, you know, he's a, he's a glass cannon, as I was saying earlier on the stream with the with the fan interactions that I was doing. Uh, the guy can get it done in the first round, as we see in his record. He even has a win over uh, hype-trained Patty Pimlet from earlier in his career. But that just goes to show, like, he is skilled. Like, the guy has skills, but it just doesn't seem like he has the best fight IQ in terms of managing his gas tank. As fights start to go longer on, he starts to slow down. That's where fighters are able to get the finish and get him out of there. I think that's the same situation in this fight. If he can't get Orichi Lang out of there early, Orichi Lang will drag him through the through the mud and just absolutely beat him up later in this fight and eventually finish him. Uh, it's not often that you see a 135-pound fight uh, have their over-under set at one and a half, right? It's not that often, but that's a, a further testament to uh, the, the fighting style of Cameron else. He either finishes you early or he gets finished later. And I think the way that Arichi Lang fights goes perfectly hand in hand with that, which should allow the under one and a half to hit, which is currently plus 115. But just to be on the safe side, taking that juice on minus 240, minus 230 on the fight to not go to decision, I think is not too bad of an idea either. If you even want to parlay it with the last fight doesn't go to decision that we just talked about, I don't think you'd get a bad line there. But I do lean with the Arichi Lang side here. I do think he'll be able to survive the early onslaught here from Cameron. Uh, again, Cameron, very good striking early on. Uh, his, his grappling as well. He looks to get the fight to the ground. Very solid skill set. But I just don't think he has the fight IQ to portion out his gas tank to make it uh you know uh make it a little bit more successful for him the longer that a fight goes uh, i love arichi lang's fighting style just watch this fight with jeff molina very fun style the guy loves wars the guy loves to just have firefights and i think that's what's going to allow him to to drag cameron Nelson into those deep waters and then finish him later in this fight so give me give me a richie lang but rather than taking his minus 250 the fight doesn't go to decision is roughly around the same line but also covers a potential cameron else finish which is absolutely live in this spot. 
And last thing I'll say, uh, you know I love my round props, Cody. Arichi Lang, round three, plus 900. Arichi Lang, round two, plus 500. Maybe a tiny sprinkle on one of those as well. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to agree. I think Arichi Lang's parlay material this week. I think the fight likely does not go the distance, and I think Arichi Lang's probably live for the knockout. So we're agreeing on a lot of the same pages. Uh, with Cameron Nels, I mean, he's kind of – He's got 15 pro fights, but he's never made a big of a splash. He's got the win over Pavlet. Never level guy. It smashed him in the first round. But low-key, he's 34 years old. And on the scale today, he looked old. He looked like somebody that's not going to come to the UFC and make a big name for himself. He's got a rough, He's got a skill set that's pretty much set as it is. And what does he do good? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. His takedown defense, not all that good. His, his chin, not all that good. Durability, not all that good. He's finished so many guys in the first round. But I don't know if his cardio is going to really hold up if it goes later. And, of course, he's live early because he fights very reckless. He could snatch up something. He could land a significant strike that puts a Richie Lang on rubbery legs. But Richie Lang's been finished effectively one time in the last six years. He's extremely durable. I mean, in the Jeff Molina fight alone, Jeff Molina hit him 120 times, significant times, in the third round alone. And Richie Lang took them all and gave him back 91. Like, he, he's got good durability, good pace, striking's there, takedowns are there. Cody Durden was able to take him down five times, but you saw muscles way back up. The Durden fight was actually close and competitive, and I think all those guys pose problems to him that Cameron Ellis just, quite frankly, won't. So I think what Richie Lang goes out there and gets the victory. And, of course, I draw the comparison from last week on Haile Alate and Kevin Kroom, and the line was only minus 175. Ah! <laughs> ah! But it's like, well, yeah, he could win. He just got to take him down. But will he take him down? It's like, doesn't matter, dude. He's way stronger physically. He's just going to back him up, and he's going to club him with that right hand. And his opponent, in this case, Kevin Kroom, wasn't able to take it. This week's version of it, I think it's much of the same. I don't think Cameron Ells is going to fight particularly well off his back foot. He's not going to take damage good. And Richie Lang is one of these tough dudes that's going to come forward on them. The line's sitting at 250 because it's a volatile fight. But I think it's one that's going to go in our favor. So Richie Lang and Richie Lang by knockout. And yeah, again, as far as the weigh-ins look, I thought Cameron Ells didn't look all that good. He kind of looked a little bit drawn out. He kind of looked a little bit aged. And uh, Richie Lang looked, looked healthy, colorful, good to go. Love it. I love it. All right, let's keep this moving along. Next up, we got Tyson Pedro making his long away to return, going up against Ike Villanueva. Minus 650 on Tyson Pedro, plus 425 the return on Ike Villanueva. I'm a big Tyson Pedro fan, but I just feel uneasy about betting him at minus 650. You know, a possible, you know, banana peel situation for him as well, uh, especially coming after such a long layoff, all the injuries and rehab and everything that he's been through. But this seems to be a very good matchup for him stylistically because he shouldn't have too much issues dragging Ike Villanueva to the ground. And then from there, he should be able to use his size, his BJJ expertise to, you know, find the positions that he needs to and get the get the finish relatively quickly. But some of the 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 props on this fight are just hilarious. The the under one and a half, minus two hundred. Pedro inside the distance, minus 250. Like, it is crazy how juicy some of these spots on Pedro are. And uh, again, that's just a further testament to Ike Villanueva's skill set. The guy is, that guy is made for bare knuckle boxing. It's not MMA. MMA is not his game. He should go out there. He only boxes. Like, you rarely see him throw any kicks. You rarely see him go for any takedowns or even in the clinch. He likes to go out there and just put his hands on you with his uh, with his boxing, his combinations. And when he's on, he looks great, right? He looks really good. The The interesting thing is the only time he's gotten a victory inside the UFC was against a guy who will likely have a similar game plan to Tyson Pedro. But luckily for him that night, Vinicius Mojea went for zero takedowns and was happy enough to go out there and strike with Ike Villanueva, eventually paying for it and getting knocked out in the second round. But 
I said, only win in the UFC. That was the only time that he got his hand raised as the other times he fell short, right? I believe the last time he lost via body kick to, uh, oh, sorry, last time he lost to Nick Nega Mariano, uh, a minute and 18 seconds into round one. Before that, finished by Mark Chimpracnio. Before that was the Vinicius Mojeo win. But before that was two straight losses to Jordan Wright and Chase Sherman. So, He's not UFC material. This is a good way for Tyson Pedro to get back onto the winning winning side and, and just come back from uh, that, that long layoff that, he, that he's had. And not to mention, he's on a bit of a losing streak himself. He should be able to drag this fight to the ground. He should be able to get it done very quickly. But I, I just have something queasy in my stomach in terms of paying minus 650 for him. I'd rather take the fight. doesn't go to the decision at minus 400. Better line there. Uh, and covers both outcomes as well in case I somehow lands this Hail Mary shot on the feet if Tyson Pedro is not able to get him to the ground. But Pedro should be able to ground this fight and get that finish relatively quickly. So give me Pedro, not with super confidence, though. I just want to see him get his feet wet again. This is the perfect matchup for him to do so. Are your are your thoughts the same on this matchup, or or what are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Well, the UFC is obviously trying to get his feet back wet in the division and kind of reintroduce him. He's plays with Tai Tuivasa. Perhaps it's a favor fight, but actually bringing up Vinicius Moreira, that was the last guy he was booked against. Tyson Pedro is going to make a comeback against Vinicius Moreira. Would have been an easy win. He pulls out due to injury. He has to go through the rehab. He has to get the surgeries. I know he's banged up. I know he's been off for a while. But coming back now, they've given him Ike Villanueva. who's kind of the next best thing. I think that Ike can be – you can take a double, man. The Marcin Pragnia fight, I'll, I'll, pff, never forget it. So he actually has a great start. Comes out, pumping the jab, touching Pragnia. Well, Pragnia doesn't got a great chin. Maybe Ike's going to find the money. He's backing him up. And he's so flat-footed with his stance. It is a very traditional boxing stance. And he doesn't pick up his foot. And Marcin Pragnia goes 21 for 21 on leg kicks and just <laughs> neutralizes his lead leg completely. Now you got him hobbling and bobbling with nowhere to go and he gets knocked out. And then the next fight with Nick Negamarianu, he just gets clipped right away and gets knocked out. So, I mean, Tyson Pedro goes out. Tyson Pedro, I think he landed like 11 for 17 in, uh, in leg kicks when he fought your Latifi. Leg kicks is a part of his game. He could utilize it. I don't think he's worried to get taken down. I think if anything, he's going to go shoot the takedown. But if for whatever reason he's trying to, you know, get a little bit of rhythm, little get a bit of timing, maybe even get some ring time in, I think he could just keep the fight standing and have success as well. You wouldn't want to stand with Ike because that's all he knows how to do. But he's not all that durable, man. His chin's not very good. He tends to cover up and just take way too much unnecessary damage. And of course, Tyson Pedro does have that win over uh, Bear Jew Paul Craig back in the day. You saw his stand-up exhibited in that one. He trains guys like Mark Hunt, Tai Tuivasa, and he's been off for four years. No doubt about it, that would have been a part of his game that he would have improved, and I went uh, straight up sleep on it. So Paul and I had discussed the prospect of the submission. Makes the most sense, right? I mean, he finishes the large majority of his fights by submission, probably just takes Ike Villanueva down and submits him. But because of the time off, he could have, in theory, improved in a lot of areas, and it's probably just safer to take it inside the distance, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a big price tag at this point. So I think everybody assumes what's going to happen in MMA. That doesn't count for anything. But yeah, the favor, the favorable fighter is definitely uh, is definitely uh, Tyson Pedro. And I think that he's going to be able to go out there and at least get a win in his UFC comeback. Absolutely. And uh, I'm seeing a couple of people in the live chat saying the audio is getting messed up right now. It seems completely fine on my end. I, I can hear Cody fine. I can hear myself pretty fine. Seeing a couple of people also saying, if you just refresh the page, it should go back to normal. So I do plead with some of you guys. If you are having audio issues, just hit refresh. It should be all good. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into the next fight here. We are looking at uh, Dwight Grant going up against Sergey Kandoshko. In terms of odds, we got minus a one. 
20 on Kondoshko plus 100 the return on Dwight Grant. Damn, Cody. Like, I, I literally want nothing to do with this fight. It, it's very difficult to break down because with Dwight, Dwight Grant fights, if you ever have money on him, it is probably the most infuriating thing to watch because the guy just does not throw. He is gifted with tremendous power and tremendous athleticism and tremendous speed, but he just does not use it enough. That's why guys like Francisco Trinaldo at the prime age of 42 can go out there and beat him by decision because he just does not do enough. And this is a prime spot for Sergey Kandoshko to go out there and just, you know, touch him up every now and then. Doesn't even need to put combinations together. Just stay active enough that you look more active than Dwight Grant, which is really not that hard to do. And you can pick up a decision victory here. The only caveat here is Sergey Kandoshko sucks too. So like it's it's like, can you really trust that guy to go out there and not get nuked in 15 minutes? Like that. It, it, this this fight is just absolutely crazy. I hate using the term, but. 1-800-GAMBLER on this fight, right? If you're putting money on this, you, you got to have some nutsy screws loose or something going on in your head. But I, I lean the Kandoshko side, <clears throat> given I, I trust somebody to go out there and win 15 minutes over landing one big bomb. Because Dwight Grant could land some shots, and what if he doesn't put him out, right? That's that's a big that's a big if he he might not be able to land that big enough shot to find that to to, to find the button to put him out. So I'd rather take Kandoshko by decision even at plus 175 than play him at money line because I think Dwight Grant is hard to put away. Uh, you know, this is not going to be a Rock'em Sock'em Robots type of fight like he had against Daniel Rodriguez. Kandoshko is going to take his time from the outside, pot shot him, pick him apart, and then I think he could go out there and, uh, and, and win this by decision. But on the flip side, a, a decent hedge would be Dwight Grant by KO at plus 325, plus 300. If you want to take a little bit of a sprinkle on that and then just, you know, look away you might end up with some money in your pocket but uh i, I lean on the kondoshko side uh i was leaning the over two and a half as well because again very inactive fight is what i'm suspecting here but at minus 170 it's getting a little bit out of hand you know i liked it closer to that minus 140 line that it was at earlier in the week but at minus 170 i got a pass on it uh, I, I told people even on my uh my, my patreon thing i'm just like you know take your dog for a walk when this fight comes on, don't even act like this fight's on the card. This is just a very volatile fight on both sides. But I'm going to go on the Kandoshko side. I think he lands the, the more strikes, stays more active, and eventually wins this fight by decision. Please tell me if you have any other, like, if you have a different take on this fight. Well, what are your thoughts here? No, I don't really got a different take, but I am going to ever so slightly go the other way and go Dwight Grant. Uh, four of his yeah. last six fights have been split decisions. So, I mean, that's kind of the way I see this one headed. It's probably going to be a decision. I know you're saying Dwight Grant could knock him out. Of course, he could knock out anybody. He's got a lot of power. He just never really puts it all together. Uh, him at the best of times, he really hurt Daniel Rodriguez. How big of a win would that have been in hindsight? Yeah. Again, it's just he, he fails to really tie things together. Now when he fights for a prolonged period of time and he is gun shy and he doesn't let his hands go, yeah, it just doesn't yield the results. And he's fought in guys like Stefan Sekel. It should have been an easy fight, and it's a closely contested split decision. He fights a guy like a 42-year-old Trinaldo, as you mentioned, and it's a closely contested split decision fight. Like That's just kind of where he's at. Kandoshko's fairly one-dimensional in his striking, and he's not a super high-output guy. I mean, you look at his two fights in the UFC, Rostam Ackman, it was actually a relatively competitive fight going into late in the third. Like, he didn't look very good, man. And then his Ackman last fight sucks, Pablo, too. <laughs> Ackman wore a sweater to the fight. He wore real sweaters. Like, how are they even allowing this dude to wear this thing? we should allow that. Yeah, it was whack. It's three years ago. Kandoshko's been inactive, right? And then he fights Rusam Havlov, who feels like he's been caught forever, right? And uh, again, well, that one you can give him a passing because he just gets neutralized, tossed to the ground. 
If he can, can fight a 15-minute striking battle, which is something he hasn't had in the UFC yet, then yeah, maybe he ties it together volume-wise, but I haven't really seen enough of it. I think Dwight Grant's got slightly better power. I think Dwight Grant's got slightly better grappling if he can somehow figure out a way to get to the ground. And then beyond all of that stuff is that Grant's been competing as of late, whereas Kandoshko's coming off a layoff. And when you look at the guys Kandoshko's fought, it's very low level. Dwight Grant, as much as we can hate on him in his style, I get it. Trinaldo's a gangster, right? Brazilian MMA Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. Guys is a stud, right? Seklich is a bum. He should have won that one a lot easier. Dan Rodriguez is a stud. Alan Joban, who he surprisingly beat, is a stud. And the rest of the guys, maybe not so much. What I'm saying is that the experience edge would go towards Dwight Grant, trains at a better camp, got some things going his way, and an ever-so-close fight, you go that way. But like you said, you don't need to have action on this card, on this fight, sorry. There's better fights uh, on Saturday. There's better fights on the Bellator ground on Saturday. There's better fights on the KSW on, on Saturday. You probably don't need the most uh, exposure there. But just, you know, conversely, Dwight Grant's a lot in these close decisions. Fight likely goes to decision. Minus 155, fight goes to distance. To me, don't look all that bad. And then if you were going to side with Dwight Grant, uh, him by decision at plus 225, not the worst price tag going, but you're probably not a whole a fight you want a whole lot of investment in. Yeah, I'm glad that you kind of see it the same way as me in terms of like, there's so much other, there's there's what, 30 other fights that we can bet on over the next three days. So let's just leave this one off the docket because I think it could go either way. Uh, and to have a Supreme Conference on one side or the other, I think is a little bit loopy at this point in time. But yeah, let's move on to the next fight here. We got the prelim headliner. We got fellow Canadian Marc-Andre Barrio going up against Jordan Wright. In terms of odds, we got minus 190 on Marc-Andre Barrio and plus 160 or plus 165, the return on Jordan Wright. Now, Marc-Andre Barriot, not too long removed from getting starched by Chidi Njikwani within 16 seconds of his last fight. And that was a big surprise to me considering I've seen Marc-Andre Barriot take big shots from big guys in the past before and continue to chug forward. That was the first ever KO loss on his record. And uh, I'm wondering how he's going to bounce back from it. Taking this fight on somewhat short notice, I'm interested to see, you know, how ready he actually is. I think he's more so motivated to go back and just change what happened last time around and just kind of reverse his fortune. And I think that this is a solid matchup for him to do so. Um, Jordan Wright, very dangerous in that first round, though, man. The guy's very explosive, has a ton of power, and you can just see it by looking at his record. Remember when you used to call him the, the king can crusher? Like, the guy just goes out there and just crushes cans on the regional scene. But, you know, he's made a decent enough career for him so far in the in the UFC. But I think he's going to struggle here against Marc-Andre, especially if... Uh, Barrio's um, durability holds up like how it has historically speaking. If he's able to survive that first round, he should be able to put Jordan Wright through the ringer in the second and third rounds. I think he could probably finish him the later that this fight goes. I lean on the Barrio side, but at this price tag, I'm personally staying away. I just want to see how he bounces back after his first ever knockout loss. It's more mental than anything, right? We got to see if he can go in there, and especially against a guy with as much power as Jordan Wright, right? That's a that's a big uh, risk for him to go in there and go against a guy that he's who could just knock him out in the in the in the blink of an eye. So we need to be very careful if you're the Barrio side, traverse the cage properly, engage in the clinch as best as possible. And that's actually where it scares me a little bit too, because Jordan Wright may be the stronger guy in the clinch in this position, right? He might be able to overpower Marc Andre, but for how long will he be able to? So maybe Barrio 
engages in the clinch to try to uh, drain the muscles, drain the strength of Jordan Wright so that he can start coming on stronger and stronger the later that this fight goes. That's Barrio's style. That's why I bet him against Chidi and Jaquani because I just thought he'd be able to push him up against the cage and kind of hold him there and just do his work. That was what Chidi and Jaquani was susceptible to in past fights. But all of a sudden, he just marches him down, finds that one sniper shot and puts his lights out. That's MMA at the end of the day, though. But I think Barrio uh, bounces back pretty easily here. Uh, actually, not easily. Easily if his durability holds up. But still not enough confidence for me to make the bet on him. I will be taking him to win this fight. And I do think he finishes his late. Plus 900, plus 1100 for his round three prop. Give me some of that. I'm okay with that. What about you, Cody? What are you thinking here? Yeah, listen, this one's gonna gonna go into two ways. Just like you said, Barrio's gonna grind him up against the cage and tire him out. Wright doesn't look like he's got a great gas tank or great durability, or Wright's gonna put it on him. And I'm kind of feeling the latter. Like I think with the plus money on Wright, it's it's minus one ninety Barrio. So for a guy that's coming off his first career knockout, got knocked out in sixteen seconds, is now taking this fight on short notice at a catch weight of one ninety because he said he could make one eighty five. Because any of that one eighty eight. Which is anyway, weird. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me, right? Uh, well, I guess what it makes sense, it's a prize fight. But the, the minus 190 is where I'm kind of struggling to, to see, right? Wright's going to come out. He's probably going to be aggressive. He's going to try to put hands on him. He's got a lot of power, and he likes to finish early. I think he could be the second guy to knock out Marc-Andre Barrio. Especially Barrio. I mean, the Chidi and Jaquani fight wasn't all that long ago. It wasn't like he just got stopped. He got stopped pretty bad. So, be interesting. Here's another thing with Wright. You look at his run. It's been crazy. But uh, the Ike Villanueva fight, he storms him. It's a cut stoppage. No big deal. The Joaquin Buckley fight, he wins the first three minutes of the first round against Joaquin Buckley, looking pretty good. Then he gets caught. Sure. Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett has never been knocked out to that point. Knocking him out is pretty impressive. Knocking him out in a minute is actually very impressive. And Pickett's on a bit of a winning streak right now. Like, he shows durability is kind of in his favor. So, Wright picked up a solid victory there. It's the Bruno Silva loss. I watched Bruno Silva eat 15 minutes of beautiful, crisp, clean combinations <laughs> from Alex Pereira, clean on the chin. Not not really look all that hurt. I seen Jordan Wright put a little heat on him, and he was doing the stanky leg, man. Uh, Wright can put pressure on guys. Now, does he want to fight like that all the time? Maybe not, because it's a 50-50 strategy. But if it's a 50-50 strategy, and Wright, by knockout, is plus 225, nah, he's not going to knock him out unless it's the first round, which is plus 475. <laughs> Yeah, why why not? Why not have a shot? He's gonna bum rush him, he's gonna put some pressure, and he may knock him out. And that plus 475 for a first round knockout, I think it's worth a shot. Also, you know, not every card's gonna have favorites win the entire time. Who's the potential Abba Pie shader? Could be Marc Andre Berrio, who by the way, I'm with you. I had him over Cheaty. I had him because why? Dude's so durable. I saw him take a, a couple nice clean shots from Todd Stout. A big 205er, you know, right? Yeah, the, the, the dude, dude at 85s fighting cheaty, cheaty, bang, bang. You okay? No, 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 didn't matter. Wrapped around the head, took his equilibrium away. Wright could do the same thing. So I think this is a stay away fight. If you're Barrio, if you're willing to take a flyer on a dog or looking for something like a plus 500, then a plus 475 on the right first round knockout looks pretty good too. I like it. Yeah, uh, big, big question marks that are going to be answered here for Marc-Andre Barrio. If he takes another loss here, especially by knockout, got to wonder what that does for his mentality and his confidence moving forward. But uh, let's see if he can get back on track. All right, let's move on to the main card now. I do want to remind the 190 live viewers, shout out to you guys for chilling with us on this Friday evening. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe below. And a reminder that you guys are getting me and Cody on a week-to-week -week basis once again for propping you up. Thursday, 
every Thursday on the All-Star. I'll plug it into the live chat here for you guys as well. I'll plug it into the description as well so you guys know where to find us. But uh, yeah, the All-Star is bringing us on full-time so that we do their show uh, do propping you up on their channel every week. Make sure you guys go check that out. And I just dropped it in the live chat as well. Make sure you guys go subscribe to their channel so you guys get the notifications whenever we go live. All right, let us get to the main card here. And it is another Canadian kicking off the main card. We got my guy Charles Jordan going up against Lando Venata. In terms of odds, we're looking at uh, pretty much a pick here. Minus 110 on both sides. That is how volatile this fight could turn out to be. Now, Cody, the guy that looked the most shaky on the scales today was obviously Lando Venata. I didn't even have to see it before I saw people on Twitter being like, oh, my God, Lando Venata, possibly this week's Drakkar Close. And Drakkar Close said, fuck y'all. I'm going to take this guy out regardless. And Drakkar Close goes out there and gets his first finish in how long, right? That was, I think, I can't remember the last time he got a finish before that fight. But now uh, Lando Venata playing that same role. I am seeing some people taking the Charles Jordan side because of that uh, that weight. Not, not even a weight miss. It was more so of a weight debacle, if anything. Uh, but uh, Lando Venata, you know, former wrestler, I'm sure he's been cutting weight for as long as he, uh, you know, has been wrestling. He's been wrestling for a very long time. So I'm sure he's been used to feeling like this in the past. I don't think it'll be anything new for him. Now, this fight could go one of two ways, in my opinion. It could be a firefight, barn burner between both guys, throwing heavy heat at one another, or Lando Venata notices the, uh, the, the Achilles heel of Charles Jordan's game, which is that wrestling, right? It's it's the defensive wrestling that he's always had issues with in the past. Even our guy TJ Laramie put him through the ringer way back in the TKO days over five rounds, just taking him to the mat, just grinding him out. Unfortunately, we're just not... We, we can't bank on Lando Venata to go out there and have that type of game plan, right? It is the easy and most viable game plan for him to, to implement. I just don't know if he's going to actually go out there and implement it. He seems to be a man of the people. He seems to be a man that wants to go out there and throw bungalows. He wants to try to knock out his opponent, land a spinning wheel kick, whatever it may be. He's trying to do that. But uh, Charles Jordan is more than likely going to be happy to 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 tangle in that aspect, right? Throwing their wacky shit, flying shit, spinning shit, all of that stuff. I could see this being a very fun fight, but giving the wrestling advantage on the Lando Venata side, I do lean with him ever so slightly because he has that in his back pocket if he needs it. Uh, if things are starting to go haywire for him and Charles Jordan is having tremendous success with the striking there, I could see Lando Venata going for those takedowns to try to secure a dub in this uh in this uh in this uh in this matchup the other spot that i am looking at though is the over two and a half which is currently minus 175 now as flashy as these guys are they're not potent finishers right i believe uh, uh charles jordan has been to a decision four out of seven times and even the two t uh, two of those three times that have finished inside the distance they were over the two and a half round mark which is another thing that people need to to realize as well and then on the flip side for lando venata eight out of 11 of his ufc fights have gone to a decision as well i think as flashy and wacky as this fight is going to be i don't think either guy finds a finish and i think that we'll see this code the full 15 minutes but if you want to be even safer and trim off uh two and a half minutes again and over two and a half at minus 175 not too bad of a look in terms of a prediction though i will go with the land of an side like i said i think the wrestling in the back pocket is his ace in the hole and uh in case he does get touched up by jordan i think he'll go for takedowns here um it hurts me to say that i want to see jordan be successful you know he's a he's a very fun prospect uh maybe one of the last couple guys here on the canadian scene that we can cheer for and has a le legitimate shot of getting 
decent wins. But until he legit clears up that uh, wrestling deficiency, I think it's going to be very difficult for him to crack that top 15. And I think that Lando Venata, if he chooses to, can exploit that. So I'm going Venata, Venata by decision. What about yourself here, Cody? Yeah, last week I was, you know, rest assured that one of the two Canadians would co probably come through. I didn't think it was going to be TJ Laramie, but hey, Ronson's live. Nope, no, no, no. Canadians going to <laughs> this week. I'm going to fall for that one again. I'm going against both Canadians. I think I, I got Lando Venata as well. Lando against Mike Grundy his last time out looked the best I've ever seen him. I know he had a crazy fight with Tony Ferguson. I know he's got the wheel kick over John McDessie. This was legitimately the best version of Lando I'd ever seen. Footwork was on point. Out was on Output was on point. When he was getting taken down by a world-class guy like Grundy, he kept scrambling, getting back up. Cardio was good. He looked confident. He looked really good. And the key difference was it was his 145-pound debut. That's the way class Lando should have been at forever, I think. He'd fought largely at 155 pounds, gave up a little bit of size, gave up a little bit of strength. And I don't know, he just didn't seem motivated. He's at Jackson Winklejohn, the camp's falling apart. Mike Perry leaves saying that this place has got too much drama. You probably got a big serious problem on your hands, right? And Lando, now that he's moved over to still Jackson Wink, but uh, uh, Akama, yeah, maybe, maybe he's tying it together. He's still only 30 years old. The guy's got a lot of skill. As you mentioned, he's got wrestling in his back pocket. He wrestled one semester at Division One, And on top of that, I mean, he spent a lot of time perfecting his craft. He can strike. He's unorthodox. He's hard to get a bit, a bit on. He's got a lot of good skills. He's just got to be able to tie it all together. So seeing him ahead of the scales today, he looks massively drained. I mean, he looks like an alien. His face is drawn. It doesn't even look like the same guy. Hasn't fought in a year. It's a little bit worrisome. Then he makes them wait and he flexes and he screams and it looks like he's got a lot of energy problem with doing a post weigh-in show is a lot of the time you'll see the weigh-in and you'll think oh no no that's that has caused me to divert my pick and then you watch the same thing with car clothes he looks terrible on the scales he shows up he gets the win right you've seen it with a number of other fighters as well they don't necessarily look all that good on the scale but they rehydrate well i'm hoping that's the case for lando venata because if it is striking for striking jordan's gonna have a little more pressure a little more output but Venata's a little bit cleaner and i think that he's gonna be able to just move laterally and intercept him one great thing about lando venata is that when he fights off his back foot he, he's he moves extremely well watch the yancey Medeiros fight yancey just cannot get a hold of this guy he can't figure him out he can't cut off the angle and lando just dances around him so he could in theory do exactly that against charles Jordan. But it's mixing in the takedown, as you mentioned. If you can mix in a few takedowns, hunt for some submissions, tire this guy out, put a pace on him, and take him into some later waters, then anything's live. I think Lando Venata more than likely would be able to squeak out two of the three rounds and win a decision. It's dog money as it is right now, plus 100, not much meat on the bone. But, like, again, if you're into taking flyers and betting crazy stuff, Lando by submission is plus 1,000. I think it's live. I really do. The game plan here surely would be take this guy down and, and, and beat him up, right? But same thing as the Julian Arosa fight. Just whatever he gives you, you give right back. Lando's capable of that. The longer the fight goes, the more you can break this guy, the more you can tire this guy. And when Rosa gets the late takedown, you almost see Jordan's just defeated. He takes his back. He puts the rear naked choke in. The kid taps. First time he's ever been finished. First time he's ever been submitted. And yeah, he rebounds against Andre Ewell, who is on a three-fight losing streak is two and four in his last six and the two wins are both by split decision Ewell's not good right now right so maybe i think that's gonna get in people's head and the wayne's gonna get in people's head and this and that but i think lando's live first and foremost we agree i think lando by submission could have some uh, uh could could have a chance of cashing and at plus 1000 i think i might have a bit of a flyer on it I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, shout out to my guy James Lake here saying, hoping that Cody hurries through. I'd said before you hopped on that I need to 
get out of here by six, but luckily I managed oh, to buy myself some time. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I managed to buy myself some time. So we're good. We don't need to worry about anything, but uh, yeah, we're good. No, I, I'm glad that you, uh, you, you like the Lando side here as well. He is very skilled. And I like what we saw in the Mike Grundy fight as well, where uh, he only gave up three takedowns on 20 attempts and was just putting it on Mike Grundy for the rest of that fight. I'm hoping uh, he's not going to have any takedown attempts to worry about here against Charles Jordan. But I think that if we see that level of striking hold up, like he showcased in those last couple of fights, he should have some success here as well. And it hurts me to say that against our guy, Charles, but uh, Lando's a solid fighter, and I think that this will be a great win for him if he's able to get his hand raised. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Alexander Romanov, King Kong Romanov, going up against uh, short notice Chase Sherman, minus 2,400 on Romanov plus 1400 on chase sherman and just to put it to perspective chris cyborg who is always chalk is fighting this weekend as well and she i believe is a minus nine yeah minus 900 favorite over a fighter she's already destroyed so alexander Romanov appears to be uh the 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 public favorite as always but how could he not be especially after the performance that we saw from chase sherman back in january getting taken to the ground almost immediately by jake hollier pounded until he gives up his back and then gets the rear naked choke uh so uh now you're going up against alexander Romanov, whose bread and butter is the ground game and his bread and butter is to pound you until you give up your back yeah, I, I think the, the price tag is pretty much accurate. I think he goes out there and, and just dr gets him to the ground, uh, lets off some of that King Kong ground and pound, and then waits for that back to open up, and then he sinks in a choke or or just even goes to town off uh, ground and pound off his back as well. Uh, speaking about the weigh-ins, though, uh, man looked good, man. He trimmed himself about 15 to 20 pounds here, uh, looks in much better shape than he has in the past. Maybe he's taking something from the Juan Espino fight, knowing that he needs to trim down a little bit so that he could maybe manages cardio a little bit better later in fights if he needs it i just don't think we'll be able to see those improvements in this fight because i don't think it even goes past the first round in this spot so best ways to play this like obviously going to be difficult for me to convince somebody to put a minus 2400 into a parlay what does that add like three cents to your parlay like who, who knows what that adds there but under one and a half minus 285 maybe that's a better parlay piece uh fight to not a fight won't start round two minus 215 uh romanov to win in round one minus 210 uh romanov via well actually those aren't open yet but yeah romanov round one i'm calling it pretty seem, seems to be the easiest bet on the card to make what about yourself are you are you in the same line of thinking yeah yeah 100 i think everybody knows what it is it's a squash match they had originally intended uh, this to be a bit of a more competitive fight and let's see what Alexander Romanov got. He's a very talented up and coming prospect in the division. He's got the wrestling. He's got big ground and pound. The Juan Espino fight maybe leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths. So yeah, let's see him. Let's say him take his progression here. And then you unfortunately get a short notice replacement in Chase Sherman. And that's where it becomes a bit of a joke. Him versus Tanner Bozer is at least interesting that, well, I don't know. What if he couldn't take him down? What if he had to stay with them, stand with them? What if this and that? But with Chase Sherman, I really don't think Chase Sherman's going to be able to stop him from taking him down. And then once he does get taken down, he's going to be a big-time fish out of water. Paul and I talked about this yesterday. If you look at Chase Sherman's matchups, pretty much his entire UFC run. But, I mean, uh, you know, Augusto Sakai is a striker. Uh, Ike Villanueva is a striker. Andre Arlovsky is a striker. Rashad Coulter is a pro boxer. Walt Harris, striker. Justin Ledette, pro boxer. Damien Grabowski, bum. Um <laughs> There, he's not fought in anybody that was a grappler, certainly not a notable grappler. And then when he fights Jake Collier, Jake Collier just takes him to the ground and absolutely clobbers him. 
Ground and pound was huge. He gives up the mount like nothing. Now that you're in mount, what are you going to do? Keep taking these punches, gives up his back, gets rid of naked choke. That right there showed. Chase Sherman could be a fun all-action fighter. He's going to stand in front of you. But if you just want to beat this guy and collect your win bonus and go home, just take him down. Roman now specializes in exactly that. Now, they haven't released by knockout, by submission props yet. On one hand, Romanov typically goes for the submission. He'll land some big ground and pound. He'll have you turtle up. He'll find something. Likes to head an arm choke. Of course, he's got a forearm choke, which you very rarely see. But maybe maybe that's the avenue. Chase is coming off a of submission loss. Maybe that's it. But no, nah, I think that King Kong ground and pound is just going to put him out. I think Chase is probably going to turtle up. The ref will say something. Romanov will keep pounding away, and that'd be the end of it. If there was even one inclination that I thought Chase Sherman was going to be coming in to win it and, and could have that puncher's chance and be competitive, completely erased when he does that that interview yesterday where he's like, UFC doubled my show money. It's like, ha ah. ha. He just admitted he's taking it for the money. The UFC's giving him the money because they know what's going to happen. And I think we're all on the same page. So we do need to fly through these last bit of fights. And this Romanov-Cherman fight is the one you got to spend the least amount of time on. So <laughs> fight doesn't start the second round. Oh, the under one and a half. Romanov, I'm leaning towards by knockout over uh, the submission, but I haven't seen the prop line on it yet. And yeah, of course, Romanov is parlay material, but you're going to have to take him inside the distance, inside the first round, under one and a half. Like th There has to be a better way to improve the price tag. I think inside the distance is minus 500. KO is plus 150. Submission is minus 115. So uh, pick pick one of those, and I'm sure that uh, you'll have <laughs> passion as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Macy Barber going up against Montana De La Rosa. In terms of odds, we got minus 180 on Barber, plus 155 the return on Montana De La Rosa. Now, uh, public perception on uh, Macy Barber is very, very low nowadays, right? It's been a while now since she's fought Miranda Maverick. That fight seems like it was two years ago. I believe it was less than a year ago at this point in time. But uh, yeah, very, very different tune that people are singing about Miranda Maverick, or sorry, about uh, Macy Barber, especially after that fight. It doesn't help that she has two losses before that to Alexa Grasso and Roxanne Modafari, but uh, against Jillian Robertson, she came, she came, well, minus 135 favorite against Jillian Robertson, but she was a minus 260 favorite against JJ Aldridge. Like, it, again, the point I'm trying to make, it wasn't that long ago that everybody expected Macy Barber to just run through all the competition that she's going up against. Mix in the fact that Montana De La Rosa just had a dominant victory over Ariane Lipsky in her last showing. I think that's why we're getting a minus 180-ish line on Macy Barber here and not closer to minus 250, minus 300, which is where I think she should be. Now, hear me up. I'm a big Montana De La Rosa fan. I've tried to back her in uh, underdog spots in the past. I paid the juice on her in fights against like Ariane Lipsky and Nadia Kasim back in the day, but I think her wrestling will not be enough here to get it done against Macy Barber, who's just going to be the much better overall fighter. She's the better striker, uses her footwork a lot better. She's way faster. Should be able to touch up Montana De La Rosa. Very similar to what Viviana Rujo was able to do against uh, De La Rosa. Uh, De La Rosa might be able to land a takedown here and there, but I just don't trust her top pressure to hold down Macy Barber. And if she can't hold her down, she's going to have a rough go on the feet. Let's give it to Montana, though. Her striking is improving. Her overall game is improving, especially moving over there to Denver over our last couple of training camps. But it's, it's still not enough to make up for the deficit that she's going to be at, especially in the striking game here against uh, Macy Barber. She has tough toughness. She has grit. She has heart, just as she showed in some of those fights where she's losing but still keeps trying to put the foot on the gas and win those fights. 
But uh, th this is one of those fights where I think she's going to get touched up for the majority of it. And I wouldn't even be surprised if Macy Barber finds a finish at a certain point here, man. I think that she's that much better in the striking than Montana. And I think she's going to make her pay for it. But I love this minus 180 on Barber. I haven't pulled the trigger myself yet because I'm seeing some buyback on the De La Rosa side. But come fight night, I will more than likely have a bet on Barber, either in a parlay or even straight up. I, I like the juice here. I don't mind the juice on this spot for Macy Barber. I think that this is a great fight for her for uh, for her to remind people how good she actually can be. So give me Macy Barber and possibly Macy Barber inside the distance. Am I am I too high on Macy here? What, what are your thoughts here, Cody? Well, everybody's too high on Macy, right? She was everybody's darling. She was claiming she's going to be the youngest champion in UFC history, younger than John Jones, and then she lost to Roxanne Modafferi as a colossal favorite. So it was always going to be bad luck. She's getting taken down. She's getting outstruck. She blew her knee out, but it was a really bad fight. Then the Alexa Grasso fight, everybody's off the bandwagon, and she loses the fight, of course. But, dude, I'll tell you what, man. Third round, she is coming on. She just had a really slow start in the Grasso fight, fought a bad game plan, couldn't get the takedowns. In the third, she's able to success, successfully get the takedown. Works Grosso over. Well, we're talking about Roxanne Monteferi, who was the most experienced fighter in women's MMA history, and Alexa Grosso, who is a top five fighter in the division and is still currently ranked within the top five of the division. You know, a couple tough fights for a 21-year-old. Then you get the Miranda Maverick fight. Well, this should be a three-fight losing streak. She should not have won that fight. She lost the first two rounds. But it's the same shit, man. It's slow start. She loses the first two rounds against an ultra-talented Miranda Maverick, who's ranked within the top 10 in the division. She loses the first two rounds, but she comes on strong in the third, starts dominating a little bit, starts just being too physically imposing in the clinch, battering up at these short little elbows. I think you take Macy Barber, who's still only 22 at that time, there's something you can work with. She is strong. She is physical. Her striking's decent work in progress. Her her wrestling, not bad. Her grappling, not bad. She just needs some maturity and to be able to tie it all together. So like nine months on the sideline, I think would have done her some good. And I'm excited to see this version of her come back because she's, she's still only 23. But that age, the improvements come very, very quickly. Now, I understand that she's should be on a three-fight losing streak and she hasn't looked good and she's a career bust. But yeah, again, I think that's why you're getting a decent enough line on her because Montana De La Rosa is the same thing. You know how many, check your Twitter feed. Just go back in time on your timeline. Check anybody's Twitter feed during Montana De La Rosa fights when they better. And it's always never again, never again, never going to do this shit again. <laughs> she gets muscled around there. She doesn't wear damage particularly well. You can tell her striking's improved, but she doesn't move her head off the center line. And she just started having a lot of swelling. The longer these fights go, she, they, they'll match her up against strong Brazilian opponents. And she just doesn't come away with it down the stretch. When you look at the fights with Andrea Lee, Viviana Arroyo, Mary Buena Silva, she's getting out muscled in there. And I think that's something that Macy Barber could be able to do. I was thinking Macy Barber by decision, but it's only plus 100. Her by unanimous decision, which is a scam bet, is plus 110. The inside the distance is plus, one, is plus 300. And like you said, it could happen. It could happen. So I, I can't get a great read. The, the decision's not enough juice for me. The inside the distance, you know, you are still taking a risk there. I prefer that minus 185. I don't think it's terrible, whereas I can't go heavy, heavy using it as a parlay piece because it, it is women's MMA. I agree with your points. I think she's going to have a faster start here. I think she's going to be stronger than Montana De La Rosa in the clinch. And even if you go back to Macy Barber versus JJ Aldrich, she lost the first round of that fight as well. She's getting outstruck. Yeah. What does she do in the second round? She just keeps coming forward. Eventually, she's going to land. Eventually, she's going to close the distance, and she's going to get a hold of you. JJ Aldrich, by the way, a world-class operator. So these the experience levels with Barbara as well at such a young age. And I think she bounces back and gets a 
you know, a, a legitimate victory, the Miranda Maverick fight, whatever. Let's, let's erase that from people's minds and go get a clean one. And I think Montana La Rosa is the type of opponent she could do it against. I like it. I like it. All right, let's move on to the co-main event here. I believe it's the second straight co-main event slot now for Clay Guida. Uh, actually, sorry, it's uh, the second of three fights now that he's been in the co-main event slot because the last time he was in a co-main event, I was there live when he fought uh, Mark Madsen. But uh, here he is going up against Claudio Poyas. In terms of odds, we got uh, pretty much a pick em now. A ton of action coming on, on coming in on Poyas as Clay Guida was uh, roughly around minus 140, minus 150 earlier this week. A lot of love, like I said, coming in on Claudio, making this a pick'em fight. I like the clay side, man, and it's weird to say that against a guy who, or or with a guy who's 42 years old, but he shows that he can still go out there and give us that classic clay Guida type performance if he needs to. And Poyas, you know, nothing special. And I've backed the guy in the past, right? I backed him against Jordan Levitt, and I was very happy with the outcome in that fight. But I feel as though a guy that can put the cardio and pace on him, like. Clay Guida can will tire him out just as he has been tiring out in past fights, and it will make him very difficult for him to 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 get his grapple heavy approach going. You know that that's what he relies on a lot in his last several fights is getting his opponents to the ground, grinding them out. I think against Jordan Levitt, he had ten and a half minutes of control time, and that might also be in part with Jordan Levitt wanting to play guard. That's where he gets his best work done as well. But even against uh, his last opponent against Chris Gritzmacher, very uncharacteristic performance from Gritzmacher. Did not see himself and uh Poyas eventually finished him late in that fight but I think that Clay Guida can make him work enough in the striking in the grappling in the clinch that he should be able to win most of these minutes off of his output and his activity and I think that should be enough for him to go out there and get a decision victory in the spot um again very tough to make a case for betting a 42 year old guy but Clay Guida has shown time and time again that he can still spring the upset or spring you know wins when he needs it and Claudio Poyas is a guy that I think he'll have massive success against as well so give me uh give me the Guida side uh, I was hoping that he touched plus money um I'm seeing the best spots I'm seeing is minus 110 pretty much everywhere but uh, if he does touch that plus money he might get some money from from my side of things but yeah I like Guida here what about yourself you can get him plus money if you take him by decision, right? Because that's the way I'm looking at it. Not bit, think, yeah, not a bad way. Yeah, yeah. I think Clay Guida is just going to grind him down, just exactly like you mentioned. Where Clay plus is at, plus 150, plus 150, I'm in. Is Clay going to knock a guy out? Nah, very unlikely. I mean, yeah, he knocked out Joe Lozon once upon a time, but, you know, very unlikely. Is is Clay Guida going to submit him? Well, I would normally say very unlikely, but he's coming off a submission win over Leo Santos. So I suppose... <laughs> I suppose you can never fully rule things out, now can you? Uh, Clay's got that style where he just needs to go out there, get in his face, be aggressive, and get takedowns. At 40 years old, he realizes the key to him having longevity is not getting to crazy striking battles. It's putting these pace on guys. He's at alpha male. He's got a gym of talented young guys, and he realizes he's got that old man strength, and he's got world-class grind. Him putting that grind to good use, I think, is going to be extremely effective here. With Claudio Paulos, he's got 55% takedown defense, in the UFC. He's been taken down. Grootsmacher actually went one for one. Why he didn't shoot early earlier, considering he was getting killed on the feet, I don't know. No idea. Terrible game plan. But Grootsmacher did go one for one. Felipe Silva, once upon a time, also went one for one. But Jordan Lovett took him down twice. Jordan Lovett can't wrestle. So that's a little bit problematic for me. Also, if you look at the Jordan Lovett fight, Claudio Paulus lands seven significant strikes through 10 minutes. Three in the first round, four in the second round. Like, not a good look, man. You you fell on top of Jordan Lovett, who's a known who's a known guard puller. 
And then you failed to land anything of substance. Like, it wasn't a very good fight. The Grootsmacher fight a little bit better, but keep in mind, he wins the first round very handedly. He wins the second round very handedly. Grootsmacher's cooked. In the third round, Claudio Puelas is getting beat up. He got outstruck like 17 to 8 in the third round before falling on top of the knee bar, right? So his cardio is not great. His physicality is not great. His wrestling's not great. All that's there to get exposed, and that's what Clay does best. He goes, he gets takedowns, he, he stifles you from there. Michael Johnson, three takedowns, pretty solid. You know, Bobby Green fight, three takedowns on Bobby Green, pretty solid. Um, the Leo Santos fight got the two takedowns, but it was early, you know, weather the early storm, tire him out, and then take over. Be the same thing here. This kid's going to be want to strike with you simply because I don't think he thinks he can take Clay Guida down. Could Puelas throw up a, a submission and catch Clay? Yeah. Well, a lot of people have actually done that to Clay, so fair. But Clay's been submitted twice in the last six years, once by Jim Miller, once by Charles Oliveira. So <laughs> not that easy of a task, man. Good luck with that. And I think if Clay just sets up shop on top of him, it's just going to grind away the clock. Clay, you probably watch it. You're hardcore like myself. But after the Leo Santos fight, Clay took a grappling match against Billy Q 26 days later on yeah. that Fury Pro Grappling 3 match, right? Billy throws up 100 submissions. Clay scores two takedowns, sets up shop on top of him, neutralizes everything, passes guard a couple times, and they award to Clay because he's on top the whole time. The guy can defend takedown or defend submissions, and the takedown is going to be money. And last but not least, I think this is going to be a decision. If it's even close, I see this all the time. If it's close, they're going to give it to Clay Guida because it's Clay Guida. He's 40 years old. Everybody knows him. As an athletic commission person, you're a judge, okay? You've been judging fights in Las Vegas for how long? Long time. All these judges have been around a long time. Clay Guida been around 20 years. You've judged his fights before. You've seen him. You've seen the interviews. He's a fan favorite. And as an old guy, because these judges are young guys, they're old guys, when they see the 40-year-old take down the young kid and hold him down and defend submissions, they don't screw that guy. They're going to give him the decision. So... I got Clay. Clay by decision plus 150. What I'm really liking is this card seems to have some low-key value on these higher-up fights. Just don't know how they're, they're going to go. I like Clay. I'm happy to hear you like Clay. I like Macy. I like uh, Lando Venata. So outside of Marcel Barrio, we are largely on the same page, my man. And I uh, I hope I hope uh, at least that portion of the card can come through for us because I, I think the, the lines are right. There's value there. And then Clay's capable of doing it. I love it. I love it. I love when we're on the same side, especially when it comes to a, a fight like this one. All right. Main event time. But I want to quickly remind you guys, the 190 of you that are still in here, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. Show my guy Cody some love as well. Make sure you guys go follow him on Twitter at CJ Saftik. And make sure you guys check out the All-Star where you guys are going to be getting us on a weekly basis again for propping you up starting next week for the Rob Font and Chito Vera card. So don't miss out. Make sure you guys go to the All-Star on YouTube subscribe to the youtube channel and make sure you guys uh check us out every week because uh, you guys have been banging me every comment section that you're not on cody for propping you up when i had my guy john on they're like where's cody give me cody cody i'm like dog or pass he has his own podcast as well i know you guys love him when he's with me as well but now we can finally put it to bed we're doing the show weekly once again so make sure you guys go check that out starting again next thursday all right Main event time, Cody. We got a great straw weight matchup here. Initially, when it was lined up, I was like, eh, main event, eh, we don't really need it. But now that the fight is less than 24 hours away, I'm psyched. You know, these are heavy hitting straw weights that we have between Amanda Lemos, who's coming in at minus, or sorry, at plus 180, and plus 210 here, the return on Jessica Andrade. 
this should be a fun firefight, right? I'd be surprised if either woman looks for takedowns. You know what? Maybe maybe Jessica Andrade might look for takedowns. Remember the Tisha Torres fight where she landed, I think, eight takedowns or something like that? Just absolutely just kept looking to pile driver through the mat. Maybe she looks to do that here against Amanda Lemos, especially early to try to take away the pop from the shots of Amanda Lemos because she can definitely pop and she can definitely drop her opponents as she's been showing off uh, since moving down to 115 pounds. That was actually after... She had a very abysmal performance against Leslie Smith in her UFC debut at 135 pounds. She took a couple years off, completely reforms herself, comes back in 115 pounds, and now has skyrocketed to the point where she's getting a, a main event slot. Because she's in, she's impressive, right? She has great striking. She has great power. Uh, she's very fun to watch. But that last fight against Angela Hill gave us a lot of things to question, right? Even if you go to MMA decisions... A lot of people thought Angela Hill won that fight, myself included, right? Rounds two and round three, I feel like you can clearly give to Angela Hill in that spot. Uh, but Amanda Lemos came out very solid in that first round, especially with that beautiful front kick she landed on Angela Hill to drop her and then follow up with some ground and pound. But she was getting dinged up a lot by Angela Hill in that fight, a lot more than people were expecting, to be honest. And now if you're allowing Jessica Andrade to hit you as easily as Angela Hill was, there are some question marks about what your durability is going to look like dealing with the power of Jessica Andrade. On the flip side, though, Jessica Andrade is quite edible herself, right? She has been dinged herself, and she has been finished, most notably by Wiley Zhang. Can Amanda Lemos produce that type of power, that type of firepower to go out there and get rid of Jessica Andrade? Maybe. But I just don't know if she's going to be able to completely land and get those combinations off and really uh, find that knockout blow. I think early going is going to be a little bit sweaty. But I think the little longer that this fight goes, Jessica Andrade's pressure and her relentless pace is going to be too much for Amanda Lemos. And I think she'll eventually get the finish probably in the third, fourth, maybe even fifth round of this fight. I was toying with the under three and a half for this fight, but I could see the spilling into the fourth round. But I think uh, I more than likely believe that this fight will finish inside the distance. Whether it's Lemos early or Jessica Andrade late, I'm going to lean with the latter. I'm going Andrade. I'm going Andrade by KO as well. That line currently sits that plus uh 225 for Andrade by KO uh and then the round props uh round three four Andrade is plus 900 round four plus 1100 round five plus 1400 and then once again shout out to Dra uh FanDuel which is obviously new up here in Ontario for us round four five decision for Andrade I don't think is a bad look either I'm just trying to see here if they actually have it on uh, best fight odds they don't but i'll pull it up actually when you're doing your breakdown here and let people know what that prop is but yeah andrage late is what i'm seeing for this one how about yourself yeah i i've liked andrage all week like i think that the line looks quite good just straight up you don't even have to yeah. chase a prop or nothing on it i get it's women's mma i get there's a entirely a lot of things that could happen like that i fully understand but it, just, it looks good to me you got someone in jessica andrage that's a former world champion. She's fought all the best girls in the division. She has wins over a lot of the best girls in the division. And of course, she only loses to the upper echelon, the best of the best. The flip side to that with Amanda Lemos, she's shockingly one year older than her. So she's she's not no young prospect. This is not some passing of the torch type fight. It's somebody who came to the UFC, picked up a string of low-level wins, if we're being honest. She beat Miranda Granger. She beat Mizuki Inoue. She beat Livion Souza. Oh my God, Livion Souza! What a boss she was, eh? Oh, Montserrat yeah. Ruiz. You know, whenever she clipped her early, and Ruiz is kind of a one-trick pony with the head and arm throw. And then Angela Hill. So Angela Hill's like the only legitimate fighter she's fought. Okay, I thought she lost. Most of the media members thought she lost. She got outstruck. 
She got taken down by Angela Hill. None of this bodes well. And yet now she's in a main event spot against Jessica Andrade, who's like the number three girl in the world. Again, has fought all the best. Andrade is coming back to 115 pounds. Look good at the scales. Look full of energy. All the UFC's marketing stuff all week, the fight week stuff with Andrade, just looks like she's in a good spot. I think she is too strong. She is too physical. She moves forward with that John Lineker style. I think she's going to find the body. I think she's going to eventually find the head. If she's able to score takedowns like she did against Tisha Torres, then even better, she'd be able to grind on top position. Five rounds, I don't love for the simple fact that Jessica Andrade kind of fights a little aggressive for someone who's going to, you know, you got to pace yourself a little bit for five rounds. But at least she's got the experience. And with Lemos, like, I don't think she's much of a cardio machine as well. Her versus Hill, you know, she kind of looked spent after 15 minutes. So I hate playing MMA math. I really do. But when you look at the most notable person that Lemos fought was Angela Hill, in which she put up a squeaky performance and landed 50 significant strikes. Jessica Andrade, meanwhile, once upon a time, she also fought, you know, Angela Hill, right? She landed like 128 significant strikes, two takedowns, dominated. Dominated, pillar to post, not even close. The girl she's fought since then, Joanne Wood, who was ranked one of the top. Joanne and Jacek, champion. Claudia Gadelli, title challenger. Tisha Torres, perennial top five. Karolina Kovacavich, title challenger. Rose Namajunas, champion. Zhang Wailei, champion. Rose again, champion. Kaylin Chukagian, title challenger. Valtiem Chechenko, champion. Who the hasn't fuck, she man? fought? What the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, right. And then they're just like, oh, okay, well, you know what? You're not going to fight a champion or a title challenger. You're going to fight Cynthia Calvillo, and she just walks right through her because there are levels to this, right? And I think that's what you see in Josh is operating at a very, very high level. Can she fight the the best of the best? Well, maybe not, right? But she's right there, and I think she's a little above Amanda Lemos. So I expect Lemos to be, you know, maybe a bit of a problem in the early going of the rounds. I mean, they're really going maybe the first, maybe the second round, but I think Andrade will take over after that. I'm tempted to just hit the over two and a half at minus 155, but I think with Jessica Andrade, like, there's been fights with her where she just buzzsaws people. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, why did I think to myself that this would go two and a half rounds? Like, and this could be one of those spots as well. So I think the money line just looks good on its own. Uh, Lemos by KO in round one is currently sitting at plus 1,000 on FanDuel for anybody uh, privy to that. I think that's probably her best win condition in this spot. And then the the alternate round and betting, uh, yeah, alternate round betting, that I was speaking about, Jessica Andrade to win rounds four, five, or by decision is currently sitting at plus 190. So I don't mind that spot either, rather than, you know, separately betting round three, round four, round five. Uh, as long as she doesn't finish her in round three, I, I think I'll be happy. But yeah, uh, safe to say that both of us are on the Jessica Andrade side here. She will have a lot to deal with early, but as long as she can deal with that, which I think she will, uh, I think she starts to take over later in this fight. And so does my guy, Cody. Now, Cody, one of the things I like to do on this Ultimate Wayne show on the back end, since we're just about to wrap this up, is give kind of your most confident play on the card, whether it's a two-leg parlay, whether it's a straight-up pick, uh, something that you want to give to the fans here that they can call their lock of the night, essentially. For me personally, I'm still kind of up in the air about it. I might have it somewhere between... Um, uh, some sort of combination of Macy Barber, maybe straight up. I really like her in the spot. The fight doesn't go to the decision for Ricci lying in Cameron else. Uh, yeah, those are the two that kind of scream out to the, me the most that I might have the most invested on for this card. What about yourself? In terms of what I'll have the most invested on, I think it's going to be a parlay between Richie Lang, Dean Barry, and Alexei Roman or Alexander Romanov, take him inside the distance and just try to get myself as close to, to, uh, 
plus money. But I think the key there would be Richie Lang because he's only minus 230, minus 250, depending on your book. I think he probably wins inside the distance as well. I think that that's really good value this week. If you're looking to chase something long, Jordan Wright, Jordan Wright by knockout in the first round, plus 475. Romanov, obviously, in the first round. You got to wait until it gets released. Clay Guida by decision at plus 150. I honestly really do like yeah. it. I think he's going to be able to ground him. I think he's going to be able to rack up uh, rounds. <clears throat> Clay fights a very specific style that's not going to win uh, against guys in the top five, top 10 in the division anymore. But against Claudio Puelas, it's that perfect young, green, not physically strong fighter that he should be able to take advantage of. So I think those are all good spots. And of course, if you're watching this live, because it'll do you no good in a few hours, but this Bellator card, dude. Hey, check out this dude, Bellator I'm not card. sure if you saw the live chat, but every like there, couple yeah. of seconds, we were like, Bellator PRP, Bellator PRP, give it to me. Okay, okay, Bellator PRP. So your first line, you got to go Dante Shiro. He, of course, he went the distance with Logan Storley. He's a split decision, but he's, a, he's just a finishing machine. He's fought in high level. He's fought in Japan. He's fought in Finland. The guy's pretty solid, uh, good cardio, well-trained. He's going to run right through Scotty Howe, who's just a local Hawaiian guy. He's minus 900. He's top ticket material. We get it. Mako Cooper, right? Macau Cooper is Bobby Cooper Jr.'s younger brother, okay? He was a state wrestling champion out of Hawaii in high school, and uh, he's got some nasty striking. He won his pro debut in like seven seconds or something, uh, flattened out Ladavius Thrasher. But it's a real nice little like counter, right? Like he comes in, he baits him, and then he just like – Rips his head off the center center line, rips overhand right over the top. Very clean stuff. The last part of the parlay piece, of course, is Danny Sabatello. I love Danny Sabatello. He's Italian, Colby Covington. The guy talks a lot of shit. He's not the smartest guy going. He sounds like Phil Baroni with a couple drinks in him, but he backs it up, man. American top team, and he just grind, 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 grind. Even if you look at him back, uh, his, his D1 collegiate wrestling career, his whole thing was just like he'd come into these tournaments as like the 14-seeded guy, and he'd be like, count me out, count me out, and he'd run through guys, man. The guy's a fucking stud. He really is. And when he fought um, Brett Johns, UFC veteran, top 10 guy, guy that's known for his judo black belt, and he's a good grappler, fought Tony Gravely of Scramble City. He was completely neutralized by Sabatello, yeah. who's long, leg laces guys, and just crams them up. So I like Jordan L. Lugo. I've made money betting Jordan L. Lugo in the past, but his last fight against uh, Moore in, in, in Ireland, ew, he looked stiff. He looked sloppy. He looked tired. He... I thought he won the fight, but because it was enemy territory, like I wouldn't have completely disagreed if they went the other way. Not a good performance against Brian Moore, who's a career journeyman from Ireland. Uh, this is just a bad spot, and Sabatello just grinds on guys. I would say, furthermore, um, Cooper, Cooper, Shiro, and Sabatello, three of them straight up. It's not even getting you plus money. You're getting about minus 185. But if you were to take the Sabatello by decision, because he's going to be a decision guy, he's not like. His style is not going to be the most spectacular and entertaining, but it's it's a winning style. So you can improve that, right? Your next line on it, that's when you're going to want to hit it up with some Enrique Barzola, and you're going to want to hit it up with some Nate Andrews. Nate Andrews is likely done. He can't really take it that good of a punch anymore. He's a little bit older, but Nate the Snake's got some credible regional show wins. He's the king of CES MMA, longtime champion over there. And he looked really bad against Sada Wad his last time out, getting dropped by jabs and whatnot. But against Manny Muro, this is the type of opponent that he should be able to rebound against. I don't think there's a whole lot of fight left in Andrews going forward, but I think that he wants to end his career on a high note. Guys had long winning streaks. Guys should have got signed to the UFC once upon a time. Unfortunately, took a PFL contract. Things didn't work out for him, but he's talented enough to beat a guy like Manny Muro who's just really not all that good, right? You're going to add him in Barzola, UFC veteran, very strong. Took a little bit of time off, but you saw in his Bellator debut against uh, Darion Caldwell. Guy's legit. Guy's grappling is sick. His pace is sick. He keeps going, 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 going. 
is very well trained, trying to AKA trained at American top team, trained with some of the best guys in the world. They all got good things to say. And I actually like this Nikita Mikhailov, but Mikhailov is actually a short nose replacement for Josh Hill coming in on like mm. two weeks notice. So I just think if it's going to be grappler versus grappler, this Russian is going to find it very difficult to grind on a big, strong Peruvian like uh, Barzola. The longer the fight goes, Barzola's striking is going to start to connect, and I think he's going to be able to edge it out. So adding those two guys on that second ticket, even without taking the Sabatello specifically by decision, you'll be able to improve your parlay to uh it's saying plus 190 yeah plus 190 yeah plus one and you're almost getting two to one now there's only eight fights left sorry we're gonna go the last two ones weber almeida he's a bum he's a good striker his first three fights in bellator it's like very he's almost like a valerie lareda man like without the ass of course of course <laughs> but like he can beat a low-level opponent by spectacular knockout, trains at American top team. The longer the fights get extended, his game falls apart. Again, they are trying to rebound him against Fabricio Franco, and I think they probably should. Minus 400, but he's going to be a third-ticket guy. You're going to put him with... Uh, I'm going to go Juliana Vasquez. You could, of course, hedge that out because it's going to be the main event against Carmouche. She did not look good her last fight as well, but again, judo black belt. I think the judo, the high-level judo, should neutralize Liz Carmucci's wrestling. If this thing ends up being a stand-up battle, I don't know how Carmucci is going to do for 25 minutes. So I'm going to lean Juliana, Juliana Velasquez. And then, I don't know, PRP. Like, I want to go Grant Neal. He let me down last time. He's got a wrestling background, former state champion in high school, went to college, could have wrestled in college, opted to play football instead. Good enough athlete, you know, very young and experienced in the fight game. I think he could get better, but he let me down his last time out. And Christian Edwards is one of those John Jones training partner guys, long, rangy, tries to fight like him. It's a bit of a bit of a career letdown as well. This is a 50-50 fight. Why not just take the dog? My heart tells me, but maybe a lot of investment on that for the PRP pick. So, uh Need an underdog, right? I guess I'll go Christian Edward. My heart honestly does tell me Grant Neal. I've already put my bets in like a few hours ago, and I had some other stuff. Soft openers. My books got me on soft openers for a lot of this shit lately. What can you do? Um, but yeah, I did. I didn't really care too much for the Edwards versus Neal fight. So just to recap, we got Shiro Cooper Sabatello on the main line. Then we add Barzello Andrews. Then we add Weber and Velasquez. And then what's that last line that you want to have? The last, uh, I guess it's really, it's your own choice. Like I, I'm tempted to put Grant Neal, but now we're hoping that all eight favorites win, which of course in Bellator isn't completely out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. For Christian <laughs> Edwards, you know, now you're just forcing a dog just to have a dog. Yeah. It's not really my style personally. I think that his length could help him get the victory and that dog money, if it's 50-50 fight, like why not? And then of course, Grant Neal, like again, I said he's a good athlete, played football, wrestled. But because he's very green still, he has trouble tying it all together. And I think that was his biggest time problem last time out. Maybe he's improved. Maybe he's figured out that ring IQ and, and how to kind of blend his skill set together. But uh, give me the underdog shot. And the underdog shot moves you up to uh, plus 1343. So why not? Go. Great way to spend a Friday, right? Exactly. I did just write all that down and DM it to you in case you want to tweet it out ASAP. Although I did put Neil as the PRP instead of Edwards, so you might have to change that. But... Thought I'd save you a little bit of time just so you don't I'm have to man, about yourself. I'm um, all right, there you guys go. You guys were asking for the Bellator PRP. My guy Cody comes through with it. I wasn't able to look into Bellator too much this week, obviously catching up, getting back to reality. But uh, I do trust my guy Cody, so I'll definitely be taking a little bit of action on that uh, on his uh, PRP style of betting there. Cody, 
Always appreciate doing this with you, and I am so excited to see you on a weekly basis now, starting next week once again with the All-Star for propping you up. Every Thursday is where you guys can catch us. Anything you want to drop on the back end here, Cody? Otherwise, I'll wrap this thing up. No, that's about it. I meant to actually put up a Bellator preview. Just been like, shit's been mad hectic. So none for Friday. If I can, I'd like to squeeze one in for the Saturday card. So maybe I can get that out tomorrow morning or something like that. And then besides that, yeah, I mean, it's a action-packed weekend full of fights. Hopefully we can keep on the this tidy side of things and hopefully cash some good ones. And yeah, that's about it. Summertime, the Dogger Pass Raceway is getting pretty close. He's getting strong, old DA Jiminy Cricket. So Got some uh, exciting horse racing in my future. And until then, just keep my head down to the grindstone. It's finally nice to see green outside compared to the white yeah. that we've been used to over the last couple months. So we had a uh, snowstorm like three days ago. It's been I know, yeah. <laughs> I know that was crazy. Uh, By the way, I want to quickly tell you, uh, I went out to Saskatchewan two weeks ago. Uh, we road tripped out there, twenty-eight hours to get there. As soon as we get there, my uncle, my wife's uncle, tells us that there's supposed to be this historic, epic snowstorm in Manitoba, and it might, you know, shelve our plans to come back sooner than we wanted. They got like sixty to seventy centimeters of snow out there, which was crazy crazy and it luckily did not impact our drive because they cleared the roads and all that stuff but i was so happy to get back to toronto and see my green grass compared to all that goddamn snow that i was seeing up there in the uh mid canada region central canada region but uh yeah very happy that summer is finally here finally getting double digits celsius uh temperatures as well uh finally can take off these sweaters and get into some uh t-shirts as well so uh yeah cody maybe we'll get together and watch a card this this summer at some point maybe do like a, a live fight companion i'm sure people would enjoy love to. something like that as well so uh yeah. maybe try to set up like oh, a patio yeah. situation but we'll figure it out i'm sure people will will love to see that we'll get that going but uh as always appreciate you taking the time on this friday evening shout out to the 170 live viewers that we currently have make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe on the way out and remember thursday propping you up on the all-star we are back all right good luck on your bets tomorrow folks i'll be back for the fight day live chat at 1 p.m eastern i'll see you guys at that point and yeah have a good night i'll see you guys tomorrow war clay guida let's go with clay guida that's what we're gonna end it with for this one